What's up, everybody? Welcome to the 37th draft of the Untitled Movie Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Matt Rohrbeck, alongside my BFCA buddy, Eric Marchin. Surprise, motherfucker! <laughs> yeah, I just, a friend just sent me that gif, so that's why we're referencing that. How you Dokes doing, buddy? was one of the best characters he was, in Dexter. Yeah, Dexter, super downhill after he dies and after the uh, John Lithgow season. We've talked about this before. Right. <laughs> just jumps off a fucking cliff. Uh, and it becomes very bad. Um, but we're not talking about Dexter today. Uh, we, could. we could. I we could. I could see them rebooting that or making that into a, a movie at some point. I don't think a movie, but I could see them bringing it back if Showtime is desperate enough. Like like a miniseries? You left it open, right? He's in, what, Canada as a lumberjack is right? Right. And then... Uh, but does he care? I'm um, a lumberjack and I don't I, care. I wouldn't want that to come back. Now, Lost, I did uh, put on my Instagram story today a nice picture of old Hurley and Jack, and I would love Disney Plus, man. Perfect spot for Party it. Buddy comedy? Bring back Lost. Bring back. No? You're not going to join me? Okay. No, I, I would be down. I mean, I just have to go back, man. We have to go back. Maybe they kind of like combined Lost and the leftovers together. Yeah. I mean, owned by two different companies. Hey, you know. Was Sony Leftovers and, produced uh, by, like... It was produced and written by Lindelof. Yeah, I know that, but, like, does... Because HBO's always weird, because, like, some well, shows Warner. are owned... Yeah, it yeah, is Warner. Warner yeah. yeah, I know HBO's Warner, but, like, with Westworld, I thought it was owned by a different, like, studio or... I don't know. Who the, who the fuck knows? How you doing? I am hot, sticky. It is the hottest... I'm wearing it's, pants. It's, it's, yeah, you're crazy. I mean, I'm going to tell this story, okay... I'm not so a shorts I, guy usually. I'm but. not a shorts guy either. I don't like to expose my disgusting legs to the world and 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 hurt anybody <laughs> uh, in that way because they're hairy and pale and disgusting. Um, but I have or had one pair of good shorts, and <laughs> I only usually bust them out for days like today. Things that are over 30 degrees centigrade. You got it. And the reason why I don't have them anymore is because my you father... shat your pants. <laughs> yes, I <laughs> shat my shorts. Um, my father has a horse farm, and <laughs> the one time I decide to go out and see the horses, I rip my shorts on his gated fence. Sweet. So I do not have shorts anymore. You should probably invest in at least, like, a couple pairs. Like, have one comfortable pair. Well, why didn't you tell me this before, Matt? You have, like... You have one comfortable pair for at home, but I usually wear like formal and informal shorts. I, I blast my AC if if Nevis lets me <laughs> as much as I can. <laughs> um, so I usually wear like track pants at home. I don't wear shorts unless yeah. it's like really hot, like today. And then with my new job, it's more acceptable. Like you can wear shorts at the office; people don't mind. So I'll bust out shorts like when it's really hot, like this. Because um, yeah, if I mean I don't know. Uh, if people are in the U.S. or you're, if you're in Europe, you'll understand 30 degrees Celsius. But um, it's really hot. It's very humid. Like I went out for lunch today, and I could barely breathe outside. Like I, I have trouble when it gets really fucking Same. humid. Same. Like, I'm an asthma sufferer. So, but we're in Canada. We'll complain when it's winter. We'll complain when it's too hot in the summer. So, uh, we don't, we don't get much of this quote unquote nice weather. Um, like it's only a, a few short months, and then it becomes fucking cold and wet and snowy and we've so, had a lot of wet and cold up until almost june oh it just year. turns on a fucking dime yeah. and then becomes really hot and humid and um sweaty and sweaty so, so much so that i i gotta share this story i mentioned it to you before uh the podcast and i was going to talk about it so um we record the podcast at at matt's place and i always take a, a bus and or streetcar streetcar yeah. bus streetcar 
It's mode of transportation. A trolley. A trolley. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And so I get on the streetcar at Osgood Station, just outside Osgood Station. Near Scotiabank Theater and the old Much Music. Yeah, and so I'm waiting, and sometimes it does take a little bit of time for a streetcar to to come by. Um, So I'm on my phone, and I hear somebody yell from across the street. Like, it almost sounded like somebody was startled. Not Gerard like, Butler. Gerard Butler. Um, no, it was two uh, women, topless, <laughs> who were giving out roses. I don't know what, okay. what like to who specifically. Topless. But they, they like were topless. Breast exposed. Yes, 100%. <laughs> A hundred percent. If you guys didn't listen to last week and our Spider-Man thing, and probably we've forever now said it, we are one hundred percent is our new catchphrase. Yeah. Um, so one hundred percent of their breasts were out. Yes. Um, you could see it from across the street. I had to do a double take because I thought I was just like the heat was getting to me. Um, <laughs> you thought it was like a like a mirage, right? <laughs> and as soon as I saw, it's like no, these two women are topless and they have. A, a bouquet of roses. Are we talking like I don't mean I'm not trying to be gross or anything. No, I'm like not that. either. I was I, just shocked. By I know, it. but are we talking like they're doing this officially for something? Are they? I don't mean this in a okay, gross way. Are so, they attractive? Are they like oh, they were just two regular okay. Regular like I wasn't women. sure if they were like you know like I live. I don't know if it was. I live in a weird area. There was like, no. There, it was just like out on the street. Two women. I wasn't sure if they were like homeless people or if no, they were like, no, no, no. They no, weren't. Yeah. They weren't. No. Okay. No, I could. I could at least tell you that. like they had their right mind and things yeah like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah because there were t- okay so there were two women there and then there <laughs> was a weird like story to start a with. handler or or oh, something okay. and she had these roses was it for midsummer i don't know i don't think that they would like i don't know man you're allowed to it's legal but they were roses sure and you so think they'd give out those flower crowns if it was midsummer yeah or something like that and so they're giving out roses to anybody that i guess either noticed or were in the in the walking vicinity. So this old man who was kind of startled because he was like <laughs> minding his own business and looked up and sees these two women and they're, they're, they're topless. And, um, this other woman who's standing next to them, that's with them gives him a rose. And then they start talking for a couple seconds and then they moved on. Okay. I'm, I'm like looking it up on Twitter as you're talking. So okay. Yeah. Find funny. out if this is like some sort of promotional thing or something. I just thought it was really weird. Ed the Sock said something three days ago, but I don't think it was about this. He just said, anyways, um, I have no idea. Yeah. That's interesting. You so it was at, it was at Queen, uh, Queen Street West and uh, University. University. Yeah. About. So right. if, if anybody listening to this saw this or knows what's going on, let us know because I thought it was really strange. That is very strange. I have no idea what – and, like, did, was it just a rose or was there, like, a card with no, it? No, it was just like... a rose, but it was in, like, a, a bouquet. Like, it was, yeah. like, in a plastic – Weird. Yeah, and they were single – giving Maybe for single a strip roses. club or something. Like, Zanzibar is too far because that's on yeah. – There's another one on King Street. I don't know. Like, yeah, I have no idea what that would have been for. You should have went up and talked to them. I should have, but I was – it was just – I was so – Startled. <laughs> dumbfounded by it all your i was peter like Ting- your peter on? tingle was no, going on <laughs> no not at all no the only thing that was tingling is that my pants are like containing all this heat and like i yeah, just you're felt wearing, like, like sweat you're wearing, moisture you're wearing denim yeah and it's like 100 degrees out if it today we got a heat warning that it felt like 
over 40 degrees. And it still hasn't like, rained, or at least no, no, it from what we like can it. tell. We have the blinds closed and the AC blasting. All right. Well, that was a fun way to start the podcast. Thank you for that. No um, problem. If you guys didn't know, this <laughs> each and every week, Eric and I get together to talk about uh, usually not topless women. Uh, that's just Eric that brings that up. <laughs> you make me sound like a total I know, I know I'm kidding. Uh, but we talk about random shit. Sometimes it's Cinnamon Toast Crunch. Sometimes it's funny stories around Toronto. Uh, usually we do talk about the entertainment industry and film and what's going on and what we've been watching and uh, what's going on in the news. Um, you can get this show each and every week, usually Monday mornings. We've hit a good schedule now where we're hitting most Monday mornings. Yeah, because we're recording um, on Fridays. Yeah, so uh, each Monday morning you can get a, a new episode. Uh, but this week we did a, a special double episode week where we recorded our Spider-Man uh, Far From Home spoiler cast, which you guys can listen right now as the 36th draft which came out a few days ago before you're listening to this um yeah we do this every week yada yada yada. i lost my train of thought if you like this uh we do another podcast called the untitled movie reviews where eric and i get together uh a little bit more professionally uh and we review a new release film whether it's in theaters upcoming in theaters or now streaming um, our latest episode, you guys can listen to our spoiler-free review of Spider-Man Far From Home. Uh, you can listen to our review, also spoiler-free, of Midsummer. Eric will correct me if I you say got Midsummer. It. You got uh, it. As well as reviews for Child's Play and Toy Story and a bunch Toy of other things. Toy Story 4. Toy Story 4. People know what I'm talking about. <laughs> dickhead um and then uh these things matter especially when it comes to like a fast and furious movie where sure, if you just say yeah. fast and furious well like, yeah there's enough of them but like but they're all also called fast and furious right uh speaking of that hobbs and shaw's coming up we'll have a review for that as well as for stuber and crawl and uh, uh once, once upon, upon a time, time in hollywood, hollywood and uh, uh, uh the art of self-defense and other things coming up so, last black man in san francisco yeah, which i still need to see i i wanted to see before its canadian release which was on uh, which is today the, our time of recording which is july the 5th but you um, should see it in a theater if you can yeah playing at lightbox i am going to go tomorrow which is a saturday by the time you're listening to this it's past, so I just dated it, and that made no sense. And you've already um, seen it. Matt, what'd you think? Whoa. Whoa. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, Eric, yes. what have you been watching, my dude? So I, uh, like many people, uh, binged uh, Stranger Things Season 3, or Stranger Things Man, 3. we're recording this on Friday, so it came out yesterday, and yes. you watched all eight hours So I started it. at around... Four o'clock. You called me at around four thirty five. That's pretty late to be starting at two to finish it in one day. I finished about midnight. Wow. Or just after midnight. For you. Because I took about a half an hour break uh between episode six and seven. Yeah. Um I liked it. Uh I've I think I've mentioned this before. I think Stranger Things is a good kind of junk food esque series, but at the same time, it really it can sometimes get on my nerves a little bit because it just it it falters or defaults to always leaning on its 80s influences to the point where it's like yes we get it like actually expand on those things that you're talking about and bringing up and create your own thing within you know the fetishizing of 1980s nostalgia and especially once you've gotten to season three where it's kind of worn off a little bit but i also like now that the kids are getting older and they're 
really addressing those issues and they're bringing sort of an interesting new dynamic to it and splitting the characters off in interesting ways. And you, again, like from a script point of view, like you can see how certain things are being set up and that will have payoffs later on. And I'm trying to be kind of broad about this. We can probably talk more once you've seen the full watch it. Yeah. Yeah. Cause you've only seen the first. Yeah. I've seen the first two episodes and to preface this for everyone, take my opinion with a grain of salt. Uh, the company I work for does some social media stuff for Netflix. So I just want to kind of be transparent yeah. about that. But, um, I don't get paid by them, so I can tell them. No, I, can I mean, tell I don't get paid by Netflix either. I don't work on Netflix. It's garbage at all. or not, and it's good. I think it's. I, I liked it a lot more than season two. Season two is the one that I will say is kind of a bit of a, a downgrade. Like you could really tell that it was a sequel in in a way. Yeah. Um, but here they've taken. But the, once we get to the third movie, you can kind of. <laughs> yeah. Well, they've taken the best elements of both season one and season two, and have really kind of focused in on what made those things work i think the best stuff in season three that was kind of introduced in season two was the relationship between uh steve and and dustin and and that is expanded upon and they introduce uh robin who's played by uh uh, maya hawk Hawk, who is really really good i love her in the first two episodes she's getting a lot of praise and it is scary right how (laughs) much she not only looks and like sounds. but sounds like Dude, young Uma Thurman. It was it was crazy to me. I couldn't like I was watching it yesterday and I was like, "Oh my god." Like your stuff from from both Dangerous Liaisons and Pulp Fiction where yeah. like I was saying like like I she has it, certain things like isms that you can tell are, are Ethan Hawke. Yeah. But like it's Uma Thurman. Like you can but, tell that this is And it's is crazy Uma how much daughter. she is just a blend of both of them. Yeah. <laughs> and like I was losing my mind cuz I knew she was in it and when she first appeared on on screen I was like, "Oh, okay, that's Maya Hawke." And then I hadn't seen her in anything, I don't think. Yet. No, she um, okay, so we'll we'll be getting to a new story about this later on in the show, but Sophia Coppola back in two thousand eleven right. wanted to direct uh Little Mermaid The Little Mermaid for Universal. Universal. Yeah. So it wasn't going to be the Disney version. But the reason why Coppola left is because Universal was trying to control the whole project and telling her who, who to, to cast. cast. Yeah. Sophia Coppola wanted Maya Hawk, who at that point was going by Maya Thurman Hawk. Okay. The studio Universal wanted Chloe Grace Moretz. Right. So they wanted somebody with three names. And then she said, but no. she said, no, thank you. I'm leaving. And then that project fell to the wayside yeah. completely. And now Disney will be. Yeah. Doing and one. so now Maya Hawk, you know, several, what, like five, six years later, appears in this and is, you know, and now we're going to be once upon a time in Hollywood. Yeah, as, well. as 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 one of uh, which is Manson's awesome. I, I forgot cults. about that. Yeah, so it's like... all coming weirdly full circle. Yeah. as well. But she is excellent in it, and the character really evolves in interesting ways. But I I do think that this is a better season than season uh, two. But I also do feel that like it's comfort food. It's not like yeah. you you mentioned as well. We were talking about it before we even did the podcast that it is still event viewing, but I wouldn't say that it's like on par with like the greatest series ever made. It's just really fun. enjoyable. It's just and fun. Two, yeah. It's 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 you know it's a positive. If I could get through, I'm still criticizing it and saying it's good. But if I could get through it in one day, one day, that's that's saying something. Right? Yeah. That it's an easy breezy watch. Yeah. And that, yeah. And, and again, I think you and I have such trouble even starting television, let alone finishing it. Yeah. That like, I think it is a testament to just, like I said, it, it's kind of, it's, it's, it's popcorn entertainment, right? Like it's just, again, we opened a, I had a handful of chips before we did this cause we haven't had dinner yet. And it is, it's that kind of thing, right? Like it's, it's tasty, but it's kind of 
like you know it's not necessarily good for you but you enjoy it and yeah. it's there and you know every having it every once in a I while is it, totally yeah. fine um i mean and, and there's i'm some, with you where the second season not yeah. so much but and there's like, some nitpicks that i even yeah. said to you like with the first episode there's like a whole bunch of people watching uh dawn of the dead at this new mall and it's sort of like the main focus of this the theme or a big part of it is you know 80s capitalism and stuff like that but having that many people watch day of the dead like that <laughs> it, it didn't even get that many people watching during its entire run like it was a box office and that's dud. what we mean by fed fetishizing like um, it romant- yeah, yeah, fetishizing and romanticizes yeah. the 80s and the Duffer Brothers I mean obviously they they were born in 85 which is where this season takes place but at the same time it's like they are like taking every aspect of you know and amping com- it to 11 yeah where like if somebody it's made a heightened that reality was, that lived in the 80s or grew up in the 80s would go back and sort of make it a little bit more lived in and but I that's think a the bit style of the show i think too it is a heightened reality like with the just how much they well hold, as a genre yeah. show 100 100 we are going i mean gonna i'm gonna try to the ground. that's it for me this this no, episode i know lie. it's not i don't lie but, <laughs> but at the same time i feel that it does get away from the storytelling or right. at least it is it's like again pro like there are you know, there's this whole new Coke thing that's going on throughout the... Which is product placement, but I, yeah. But it gets in the way of some of the storytelling, and, and the storytelling itself never really evolves into anything but kind of playing within the tropes and sandbox of movies that have done it before. And, and you know, filmmakers like Tarantino and John Carpenter do that all the time, and there's nothing wrong with that. It's just that it feels like it never becomes its own thing, that it is really leaning heavily on... Um, you know what's come before it and it's paying homage to all these things the other thing i did actually like a lot more in this season than i have in in past ones um is the creature design i think the creature design is more interesting especially because it reminds me of both or invasion of the body snatchers which was a movie i actually recently watched and the blob and the thing yeah that goopy thing that it's very fleshy yeah it's really gross when those rats explode yeah like in the first episode, and that guy's such a dirtbag, at least in the first two episodes. And I remember it. He, he was a dirtbag in the second season, too, right? Who are we talking um, about? The guy with the mustache, the lifeguard guy. Oh, um, we're talking about uh, uh, Dakar Montgomery. Yeah, yeah. Um, who I've interviewed. Who, I interviewed him oh, yeah? for uh, Power Rangers. Right. Him and, Ni- Naomi and he looks Scott. like Zach Efron mixed He with does, yeah. He, you know, he's actually very nice. He's Australian as well. Okay. Um, but it was funny because I remember the day of interviewing him, the publicist came into the room and said, "This the way that his name is pronounced, uh, Dakar. 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 Okay. Because apparently somebody that morning during one of the, like, breakfast television or something like that. Daiquiri or something? Uh, daiquiri. Daiquiri. They called him Daiquiri. And, and apparently, it. no, it did not People are very, like, I mean, Nevis is, yeah. uh, what like, she's great. Which I understand, life. right? You want people to get that shit right. Yeah. So, it's yeah. Dakar Montgomery. Dakar. Cool. Yeah. Um, it's th- yeah, I, but it I, expands on that character too, which I, I really do even liked. like in the first couple episodes what they've done with him, even though he is just such a dirtbag in the first like right. as a lifeguard. Um, okay, cool. Moving on, I'm excited to watch the rest. That's yeah. What, what, what have like, you been watching? Uh, okay, yeah. I can no, no. I, actually, we should bounce back and forth, you know, and I took up a lot of time with that. Oh, stop. Whatever. Um, you know what? <laughs> Not much. Uh, Stranger Things uh, season three was like the one thing that I kind of started. Um, I, I don't even know the, everything we've been watching, I've been kind of doing for review and stuff and I've been busy like, um, 
even seeing friends or, or doing wedding stuff with Nevis. We've been kind of locking some stuff down for that. So I haven't really been watching all that much. I think really the only thing... Oh, I can talk about my Screen X experience. Yes, so, please do. You um, talked a little bit about it on our last spoiler uh, draft. Yeah. yeah, which was the spoiler cast for Spider-Man. Um, so yeah, I did go to see Spider-Man Far From Home a second time on opening night. So we saw it about a week before its release at a press and friends and family screening. Um, really enjoyed it. And um, like most Marvel movies, I do like to kind of go see it a second time because I feel like sometimes I'm either... Um, a little too high on something because I'm like riding off the high of being excited for a, a You're just Marvel a little movie. too high. Um, no, I'm usually not high when I go to the movies. No, I, I don't like being in public spaces. <laughs> um, so uh, sometimes. But um, so I went to go see it and I was looking at showtimes. Uh, all the IMAX showings were in 3D and I didn't want to fuck with that. I don't like 3D. I refuse. Um, I'm surprised 3D is um, still as readily available as it is in terms it's of an It's not option. as much, but like other companies like Disney and, and, and things like that have been doing, at least I'll give them credit for alternating between 3d and 2d screening. So you have, and for option. press screenings in general, like press they, only screenings, show they don't even 2d. They don't do 3d yeah. anymore. Cause probably enough of us were like, please stop. Yeah. <laughs> please stop doing this. Stop force shoving it down our throats. The last one was Aquaman. And I walked out cause I was like, well, that's I'm, Warner brothers though. I'm absolutely not, watching this in yeah. 3d i think the um, last disney movie that i saw in 3d was uh alice through the looking glass for me it was pete's dragon i think um i think they forced me to watch that in 3d or something else no you got to rewatch that i do because I, I think it is good i was just in a miserable mood because it was hot and they made us wait and it wasn't anyway. godzilla hot or was it it was because i wasn't there with you it was close i went with jordan yeah and um it was hot as hell man and um I just didn't. I thought it was, I. I gotta rewatch that movie. I will because I really do love um, uh, David Lowry. David Lowry, Go, uh, fucking Ghost Story, so good, man. I it love is. It. Um, so I went to Queensway, which they introduced the first uh, Screen X theater. So for those of you that don't know what Screen X they, is, it's made by the same company that does 4DX here in Canada. It's a Korean company, but it's um, not Barco. So what Eric's mentioning is a few years ago, um, Barco introduced this thing called Barco Escape. And Barco, you might know, I think they are uh, they make projectors usually, right? Um, and anyways, they created this new format called Barco Escape, which was three screens, um, one center screen and, and two kind of on a uh, diagonal. Um, and and cert- it was like reverse IMAX. So instead of getting taller, the image would get wider. And during certain screens, it would almost surround you. We saw Star Trek Beyond in that format, and we both thought it was gimmicky and kind of didn't really add anything. But at least I had to see it again because there was problems when we saw it as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah, there was, and I'll get to my problems with this too. So. Star Trek, they fucked up, and while it started, it wasn't working. Then they restarted the movie, and it was working okay. Um, and I thought the projection quality in Barco was excellent because you could tell they brought in brand-new projectors, and they completely renovated that theater to make it fit this format. Um, didn't love the experience, had no interest in ever seeing anything ever again. Yeah, but I let... neither did many other people. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I don't think anything was ever showed in Barco Escape ever well, again. Well, they had, they had a screening for um, D Films, had like this Wesley Snipes movie <laughs> that they screened one night in the Barco Theater, yeah. and I don't know how that 
played out. I think Dave Void, a friend of ours, yeah. uh, film critic for In the Seats, was there. Yeah, I. So we hadn't gone back. We, I, me and you, you and I, uh, we like to go check out these random things. Just to, we'll have something to talk about on the podcast, or we just we're curious. Yeah, because like, we did we did triple uh, X, triple X, the return of Xander Cage in 4DX. <laughs> so that was the second 4DX movie I'd seen because I I went to the preview event for Doctor Strange. Uh, that being said, I'm like, you know what? I will go give Screen X a chance. I know they just uh, put it in at uh, Queensway, and it'll give me something to talk about uh, about Spider-Man, even though I wanted to see Spider-Man in, in IMAX. So I go to Queensway. Uh, it was basically sold out when I bought my ticket, but because I was going alone, there was a couple single seats, so I couldn't get an aisle. I was four seats deep, five seats deep. It was awful. Um, deep. So I get there and it looks like a pretty normal auditorium. Like it's, it doesn't have the same thing as Barco where you could visibly tell where the, th- the second and third screens were. Like it just looked like the walls beside you right. and the screen in front of you. And I was like, okay, that's weird. So um, the movie starts. Uh, it's, it's weird the way that they integrated it with the first scene. And then in the, especially with the, a PowerPoint presentation thing by the kids. It was just like random images on the side. But anyways, the movie, so it just projects this Wait, image. Wait, is, is this the pre-show? No, during the, you know, the slideshow of the kids doing the, a news report. Oh, right. okay, the, the movie itself. Because yeah, yeah. okay, I thought there was like some sort no, of like pre-show, no pre-show to let you know how it all oh, works. Oh, I think they did. And then I'm like, right away, I'm like, Ugh, it's just kind of like, imagine, you know when someone has a projector and they're just projecting it onto their wall? Yeah. You know how it kind of looks where it's like sort of faded and it's not really that Like clear? in a ghost story. Yeah, like they're just projecting something onto a wall that's not meant to be a screen. Yeah, and so, somehow that's good enough. And yeah, so that's what this is. And the movie... But you're paying 10 times more. And the movie... <laughs> I went on a Tuesday, so it was only like twelve dollars. But I'm sure it's, still it's expensive. Like, I'm sure it's like twenty normally. I have no idea. Um, I should, probably should have looked that up, but whatever. I'm never going to do it again, and I wouldn't recommend that you did. Spoilers. Um, so the movie's Letterbox, right? It's in two thirty nine Spider Man, and then um, so you no masking, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> and then the screens, well, the screens, the walls beside you also obviously no masking so you have walls showing at the top and bottom and then you have this distorted uh projection onto these walls like if someone was in college projecting fucking wee bowling onto their wall or some shit and so like the image just basically i don't know if they just punch in and you know because the movie's in wide in in 239 wide so i don't know if they just punch in and then project some of the wider images around you or if they redid it with with cg or something just to extend the image around you but it sounds like your nightmare basically the movie anything that's on those corners because the movie's being projected into the screen that is right in front of you and then these walls that are almost 90 degrees beside you right yeah so the the images are just getting distorted around the around the wall and then on top of that um on the left side it went out of sync and i'm like okay because of the Mysterio thing, it's kind of ironic that it's doing this in uh, in, in this. Um, but then I was just rolling my eyes, and I'm like, I can't believe this fucking garbage. And then by the end of it, you're just not even really paying attention to the side walls. You're just watching the movie. So, 
it's a little distracting seeing the shit on the on the sides but it it's not it doesn't look like it's good quality it's like doesn't really add anything like i don't think it's that immersive or anything like yeah sure you kind of feel like you're right in the middle of it because it's surrounding you but eventually i feel like you're just watching the shit on the front screen and, and like, you would probably rather be seeing this in imax instead. yeah like why you're i'm not turning to see the shit at the side of the frame that you don't really care about anyway like I don't know. It, it was, I. It's another one of these. The biggest pet peeve I think we both have when it comes to the cinema industry, and we bitch about this. Like it should be a new segment on the show because we have something to complain about every week. But, and I hate sounding like a a negative person because I I feel like negative do, Nancy. I feel like we do really. We're trying to be positive a lot of the time too. Whatever we're talking about, but. Um, but the quality of it, the experience is important, especially yeah, when like, it comes to watching. And you're a film. investing all this money into these gimmicks, and like VIP, I can understand because you're giving people an option. They want to drink and they want to eat during a movie, and it's get a away pre- from children. It, yeah, exactly. That's why I saw Toy Story four in that format, um, and it's a premium experience. So I kind of get that, even though the, there's no masking and and shit like that. Which is I, which I should just give up on because most theaters just aren't going to do it right um i had a good conversation i uh, will talk to you afterwards but um it i just don't understand why you're investing probably millions of not maybe not millions of dollars because you're only putting it in one theater but tens of thousands if not more uh uh, renovating a theater well it's because they want to see what works and they're now at a point where you know these companies are willing to gamble and try anything to get people to go to the theater but they're missing the point of what makes the experience worthwhile and worth paying that 12 dollars for that 20 dollars for and it's the quality it's not the added, you know, gimmick. bonus and the gimmick yeah. and and the and the lights and 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 all that kind of stuff. Because I'll give IMAX credit; it it's gimmicky in the like you get twenty six percent more image, right? That they've been doing with a lot of these Marvel movies, which really are just changing the movie from a you're cropping the movie to two thirty nine for most screens. But there's something still like, immersive about. I that, agree. Right? The screens are gigantic. The sound is booming. Like. The quality is greater. Even in the U.S., what I've heard about the Dolby Cinema isn't so much a gimmick more so than they're like a premium experience theater, right? Like it's a properly masked screen. It's got Dolby Vision. It's got Dolby Atmos. It's it's the, the best experience you could probably get. It's in- basically like getting on a roller coaster and like the, the movie version of that in a lot of ways, right? Is, like especially well, for these, the summer season where you're getting all these giant blockbuster popcorn movies that – look good and play you know big and loud on a big screen but at the same time you know if you're adding all these other gimmicks to it like even 40x like 40x is like you said it's fun for a movie that is really really dumb or and, that you've seen before yeah and you just kind of but it's still also very much in that old school gimmick kind of way of like 3d smell vision all that stuff like it's just you know, something that'll get people talking for a month or two, and then it'll kind of just evaporate quickly. Yeah, it's uh, it's. Was st- Nevis with you? No, I went by myself. So you you just went by yourself, like yeah. there was no okay. Yeah, and then I mentioned on the spoiler cast there was a f- two families beside me, a father and son, and then a family of four who were talking. And shout out to the daughter that was sitting beside me because she was trying to like kind of shush her dad <laughs> to stop talking, and then the father and son on my left side who were speaking a, a different language. But 
um, we're just constantly talking and I just did not have the energy to be like, can you please not do that? But right. Cause I'd already seen it, but if it was my first time seeing it, I would have told them to shut up, but politely and loudly. But anyways, that was my screen X experience. I do not recommend it. Don't do it. Just go see it in IMAX or go to a regular, th- go to landmark and Whippy. Cause shout out to landmark. Okay. You know what? Have you been recently? No, I, I wanted to go when I was down for the long weekend, the Canada Day weekend, but there was nothing that I really wanted to see that was still playing. I'd, I'd seen everything or else it was, I was going to go see Late Night, but not a movie. I was like, I'm like, I can watch that when it comes on Amazon. So It is the perfect um, uh, movie to stream. Yeah, I will stream it on Amazon when it comes out. So anything else you want to mention for watching? I mean, I, I've been watching a lot of stuff, as I always do, uh, this time of year, because I try to avoid being outside at all costs, um, because the weather is hot and I have very pale skin. Um, so I rewatched, uh, as I, I think I mentioned briefly, uh, Phil Kaufman's uh, Invasion of the Body Snatchers with Donald Sutherland. Uh, really solid remake um, and adds to what it was already created in the 1950s, the, the Kevin McCarthy version. Um, Sutherland's great, uh, excellent practical effects that are still disturbing and hold up really, really well. Um, what else did I watch? I'm trying to think. Do you have I the have, list? Yeah, up? I have your list. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you watched uh, extremely wicked, shockingly violent evil. Oh yes. So um, I've been on a. I've been trying to get back into watching some Netflix stuff. I don't really have too much to say about this, other than yeah. it's kind of what I feared. Okay. Zach Efron is really good and giving a great performance. Uh, the filmmaking around him. Um, is terrible, uh, especially <laughs> the editing of this movie. It's okay. so discombobulated and unstructured and doesn't know where to focus because at first you think it's going to be from the point of view of his girlfriend turned uh, wife, played by uh, Lily uh, Collins. But the movie becomes so enraptured with Ted Bundy, it, it becomes kind of icky where it's like, it fetishizes him, and we mentioned fetishizing with '80s. Like this thing, really. But for a guy who was a, a serial killer, it turns him into yeah. like a weird like folk hero, and it just doesn't work. And it sort of betrays the purpose of what this movie is is initially right. trying to set out to be, which is a film that is condemning this guy and condemning our infatuation with serial killers and and serial killer mythology, because like. At the end of the day, yes, he became this media sensation and people were fascinated by him because he didn't necessarily, quote-unquote, look like a, what a serial killer is normally presented as. But the guy still killed women yeah. and he murdered them horribly and did disgusting things. And yet it's like, oh, but he's so charismatic and likable and we kind of want him to get away with that. And it just doesn't work Yeah, at I, all. that's what I kind of feared. And but... I kind of feel bad for Efron because he is giving a really good performance it's just the movie itself around him is kind of terrible right and i still want to see the documentary series because maybe that'll be a little bit better because it's yeah. further removed right and it's showing the real story and yeah real imagery uh then i'll list off a couple other ones you can give me kind of uh, bullet points uh, we'll save the farewell because i i do want to see yeah it. yeah, yeah. i will we'll say this um i saw it only uh a couple of days ago 
Um, and I really liked it quite a bit. Um, it got a lot of hype out of Sundance, and that's always the danger with any movie that plays at a festival. Right. When it gets a lot of buzz, that it might not live up to those expectations. And at first, I, I really liked it, but the more I think about it, the more it grows on me, and the more I'm thinking about certain scenes in the movie. It's a very modest family story that is both, as a lot of people have been saying, universal and um, specific. But the way that uh, Lulu Wong has sort of shaped this narrative around Aquafenix's character, Billy, which I think is a surrogate for her, um, really builds on you and grows on you the more you think about it. And I, and it'll definitely reflect that once we get to our um, our top ten lists of the year. Because okay, cool. I, I keep going back to it, and I would like to see it again at some point. I hopefully will maybe before the end of the year um, for awards consideration and stuff like that. But yeah, definitely give this movie a shot when it comes out. Um, I think it's opening uh, this coming week in the U.S., and then it'll be out uh, here in Canada in limited release through VBS Films on July 18th. But it is a movie that you should go in, um, not with lower expectations, but meet the movie at where it's coming from. Don't try to think of it as something as, you know, the best film ever made because right. I feel like there's been a lot of hyperbole about okay. it. Okay. And as Eric mentioned, I should have prefaced this at the beginning of the show. We're going to do a big topic today. I don't know if I mentioned this here or just uh, promote this podcast on our last one. Uh, we're going to do the uh, best of 2019 so far. So we're kind of g- both going to go through what we um, really loved uh, so far in the first half of the year. So yeah, stay tuned for that. We'll be doing that. Pretty soon. And then you also watched uh, Do the Right Thing. Yes. So I rewatched this, um, although I don't know why I did this, because there's, a, there's the... a Criterion oh, Blu-ray right. that's coming up, because it's the 30th anniversary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and talking about, like, you know, hot, sticky weather and, like, tempers flaring and tensions sort of heating up. Spike, like, this is Spike Lee's best film still, in my opinion. And sadly, it's really still... Relevant, relevant, yeah, which is unfortunate in terms of race relations and stereotypes and sort of um, violence breaking out because of that. And it's stylish and stylized, and you can tell that everything Spike Lee has done after that, he's done a lot of great movies. I mean, last year with Black Klansman specifically, but he's never been able to really match what Do the Right Thing was. And just rewatching that movie, I was reminded how not only how great a movie it is, but how great of a filmmaker he is. And um, if you have the chance, uh, there's a new Blu-ray that will be coming out at the end of this month through Criterion. So I highly recommend giving it a shot. If you haven't seen it before, if you have, maybe rewatch it because, you know, there's still a lot of stuff that is very much relevant relevant for today. Prevalent. 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 You kind of combine the two. Um, (laughs) But it's, it's important nonetheless. Cool. And then finally, Return of the Living Dead. Yeah, so I saw on uh, Twitter that people were taking still shots of uh, July 3rd, uh, the, 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 the launching right. of yeah. uh, the actual nuclear attack that sets this whole <laughs> thing off. So I decided to pick up my – because I hadn't watched my um, – Scream Factory edition of it yet. Right. And this is Dan O'Bannon who directed the movie, who uh, wrote Alien. 
the first okay, alien cool. film. And it's co-written by um, John A. Russo, who was the co-writer of Night of the Living Dead and had a whole thing with George A. Romero over the rights of Night of the Living Dead and title disputes. And, and it went into this. Dead, yeah. Yeah, so just rewatching this movie, I remember as a kid being frightened by it because it said based on a true story. <laughs> yeah. And I saw this around like when I was six or seven originally, and there's a lot of like practical effects of zombies eating people's brains, and it right. is quite graphic and disturbing, but it's also a lot funnier than I remembered as a kid because I hadn't watched it in a while, and there's two sequels that aren't really that great. Um, but it's a lot of fun. Like it's, you know, punk heavy. Um, it's satirical. And I would say that it's, it's one of the better zombie movies to come out of the late eighties. Cool. Yeah. All right. Moving on to staying at home. I'll jump into my digital picks and then I'll let you go into your, what's available on uh, Blu-ray. Um, for me, uh, tying into the release of far from home, uh, you guys can pick up Spider-Man homecoming in 4k for, uh, just under $10 over on the iTunes Canada store. Uh, tying into the release of the new Jumanji trailer, which we'll be talking about in a few moments, uh, the 4K edition of Jumanji is $7 on uh, iTunes Canada. I want to give a shout-out to La La Land in 4K, which is $8, and my boy Jigsaw in 4K <laughs> is $7. So, I mean, pretty cheap for all of those. I think they're all... I mean, Jigsaw was mostly a joke why I put it in there. But for seven bucks. Seven bucks to own it if you're a completionist. uh, Or a masochist. uh, Yeah, like I am, then $7, not too bad. Right. Uh, Your Blu-ray picks for this. Yes. So uh, I'll just kind of burn through these as well um, because I'll be talking about one in our uh, main segment. So High Life is available on Blu-ray. So if you want to return back to the fuck box or go there for the first time uh, with Robert Pattinson and Juliet Binoche. It's now available, your, physical media, Blu-ray, on. and there's not a lot of Claire Denis stuff that, other than um, Let the Sunshine In and White Material that are on North American Blu-ray. So it's just nice to see some of her work get re- be released more readily available and be available for people to, to check out because yeah. like Trouble Every Day uh, isn't available, which I think is weirdly probably one of her more accessible movies, even though it's very graphic and violent and part of the French extreme new wave of, of horror filmmaking. Um, Waterworld is available on 4K. Um, they released an Arrow version a little while ago, but the, the 4K is finally out, so you oh can boy. check that out. Um, a movie that we both liked but didn't love, but it kind of, again, grows on you over time is Transit. Um, Christian uh, Petzold's film, which is getting Our a blue Anna Swanson, loves huge it. fan. I think she's like <laughs> the, the number, number one, one fan of this. There I, is not... no one. If you are a bigger fan of Transit than our friend Anna Swanson, I want to hear from you. Yeah. <laughs> so Music Box is releasing that on Blu-ray, and I hope that they did send her a copy of it because it's the least they could do. Um, but it is. She it is saw it, like ten times in theaters. Yeah, it is Sorry. disturbing. Um, but I understand that obsession, like when you love something so much and you just completely immersed by it. Oh yeah, and, yeah. Um, I but did it enjoy good. it. It's it is a, good. Yeah, I liked it. And I it's the same it. thing I felt like with Phoenix and Barbara. Like I like it more and more that I I, I think about it. But I agree then, completely. Like the first I, time I saw it, I, I just thought it was good. I, I would. It was good. 
agree completely. 100%. I just don't want to say, like, I didn't not like it because I know that Anna, Anna will stab you. Assassinate <laughs> us. Uh, um, I, I saw it at TIFF, so I would like to give it another shot because yeah. I did see it in the middle of seeing 800 other things. And at the time, I kind of was like, yeah, yeah, I thought it was okay. I yeah. thought it was good. There, there's um, a scene that I, I love any scene in a movie where a character builds something or rebuilds something. And there's a scene where the main character um, is rebuilding or trying to reassemble a radio. Yeah. And the way that he does that, I could watch that all day. Like, and I, that's the kind of shit I like. I love like alternate future kind of thing too where it's like a world war ii story but that takes place sort of in a fictional alternate reality uh, alternate reality modern war yeah because it's basically the the germans in a contemporary setting are rounding up any artists any political people and 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 taking them to to camps yeah and i i I thought that was really interesting to kind of set it in a non- like specific time period and in, in in a modern setting and and I thought and I thought that was really really cool and again kind of a blur for me like I don't remember much of it other well, than Well that's that. the danger with TIFF right unless something is really great or really awful the stuff that kind of is in and again I don't want to say that this is middle of the road because no. it's not yeah. it's really good but the stuff that kind of is in that middle echelon that like kind of the grouping in the middle can get fuzzy and it's like certain things kind of either blur together or you just forget about them. Yeah. Or I'll never forget about Beautiful Boy because it's so awful. Or oh, fuck me. Right. Yeah. Like it's it's yeah. terrible. Remember uh, we saw that in the IMAX. It sure did. Woo wee. Um, what else do I have on that list, Matt? Uh, you. The only thing you're missing is this island Earth. Yes. Yeah, so Scream Factory is very nice to send me a, a Blu-ray copy of this. Um, it's not a great movie, but I remember as a kid having a fondness for it. It's a 1955 film. It's kind of almost like a H.G. Uh, Wells kind of story in the or knockoff in the way that, like, you know, aliens are coming to Earth, but these aliens are asking for our help to kind of um, fight against a, a, another enemy um, that might become a mutual enemy down the line. And the aliens are these kind of, like, they almost look like the aliens from Mars Attacks, but they're all blue and red, and they have, like, okay. these big, like, almost insectoid... Shout out to Mars of, Attacks. I was eyes. fucking terrified of Mars I remember, Attacks yeah, same. I remember, like, being frightened by, like, um, uh, what was her name? Uh, Lisa Marie is yeah. in that one, like, alien-human suit that Martin Short encounters. Mm-hmm. The severed, bites off his fingers. A severed head, too. Someone's yeah. got a severed head, right? Yeah, yeah, with uh, Pierce Brosnan right. and uh, Sir I want to watch Jessica Mars Parker. Attacks. I might watch There's Mars ever, Attacks. I mean, Jack Nicholson's playing two roles. But anyways, going back to this, Sorry. Earth, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, it has that. a reputation of being a really bad movie, and it's, and it's not good. It's not the worst thing I've ever seen, but I remember the first time really knowing it, or seeing it was not actually watching the film itself, but seeing um, the movie version of Mystery Science Theater uh, 3000, 3000 yeah. because that was the film that they were watching for the for the feature film version of it, and they point out all its flaws and stuff like that. So now you can actually watch the film version if you want. It's from 1955. There's a lot of great uh, special features on there, and you know, again, Scream Factory is always doing their best to bring even you know the kind of um, middle of the road to lower brow stuff and give it the chance to see the light of day again and find an audience cool yeah nice all right let's uh get into talking trailers uh not a crazy week but we did get two big um trailer premieres uh the first of which is ryan johnson's knives out a movie that is on our most anticipated films of the year hey, Matt. list 
eat shit. Got it. So we've been waiting for this trailer for uh, quite a while. It's being billed as a Ryan Johnson whodunit. But uh, somebody pointed out on Twitter that most of his movies are whodunits. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, yeah, dude, I, I, I thought that I loved this trailer. I, I was really, really into it. Um, I like that he's doing the Agatha Christie classic kind of single location caricature each person but it still looks cinematic like you could say like single location and like you have all these actors that are you know big names and that's all you need it's very stylish yeah yeah. it still has a stylized look in the way that you know brick was in terms again like another whodunit but sort of in the vein of like a high school film noir Noir, right and i like that he takes these genres and kind of twists them on their head and and i think it's a great rebound after Last Jedi and um, I, uh, the cast is unbelievable and um, it's got a very weird tone um, that I think might be off-putting. It's to very some macabre, people. gallows yeah. kind of humor, satirical even. Yeah. Like, and I, I have a feeling that might rub some people the wrong way, but um, especially those Last Jedi fans. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, they, <laughs> they wouldn't even have known who he was before that so i think this is more akin to his obviously his stuff before yeah well even the brothers bloom yes exactly has that kind of tone to it right and um i have a feeling if you don't know going into it or you might be caught off guard by this trailer or the movie because he does have an interesting style and uh yeah i I don't know i I, yeah the chris evans saying eat shit the uh what is this uh, you get daniel craig with a southern accent kfc csi kfc yeah so it's it's very weird hearing him with like a southern draw right well i mean he's basically playing a version of you know Talking about the Agatha yeah. Christie stuff of uh, Hercule uh, Poirot, Poirot right? yeah, basically. Just He's southern version. The southern version of Hercule Poirot, but like, um, and it's funny, we're getting the Death on the Nile coming up soon, too, Next year, right? yeah. Yeah, so it'll be interesting, and we just got Murder on the Orient Express last year, and which obviously very still very different. Like, those are played more straight, where I think this is being a little bit more... It is going to play it very straight, but it is got it's but it's darkly comedic, yeah, tongue in cheek a little bit too. And so, what did you think of the trailer? I enjoyed it quite a bit, and for a lot of the same reasons you've already mentioned, I also just really like the idea of a group of great actors kind of playing off of each other. And yeah, the cast is ridiculous. I mean, like Michael Shannon, Tony Collette, like it's Christopher Plummer, like it's 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 amazing the people that he was able to get together for this. Yeah, I can't wait. It should be. It'll be interesting to see if it shows up in the fall festival circuit. Like, I I mean, we've seen Johnson kind of go there before. I think Brothers Bloom also played. Uh, yeah, maybe it was one of those films yeah. that played like the year before it was actually theatrically released. Yeah, I but think so. Looper and then did. Looper opened yeah. TIFF in 2012. So, I mean, could show up. It could be like, I'm. Uh, it seems more. It seems probably to be one of his most accessible movies, at least in terms of what's written on paper, right? Like, yeah. big cast. Uh, Easy to grasp concept. Yeah, Just, so like yeah. all those things seem to be going in its favor in terms of at least being accessible. Maybe not on the, the scale of what Last Jedi was, but at <laughs> least yeah. people will be interested in the the mystery aspect of it. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm excited, man. And then the other trailer we got uh, this week was uh, Jumanji The Next Level, I believe it's being called. It's yeah. a very lazy title. Um, I wish it was just Jumanji Level Up or something like that. Right. Or Game Over or something like that. But I feel that title is like Game Over, right. Man, like that kind of stuff. Been... Oh, God. <laughs> yeah. Um, thoughts on this? I know we both were kind of like you 
didn't mind. No, I I thought it was actually kind of creative with the idea of a video game movie. Like it plays with, and you know more about this kind of stuff than I do in terms of the, you know, first person player and all that kind of stuff and interacting. I thought it did a really good job at kind of poking fun at video game cliches. And but there's two things about this trailer I'm worried about. One is that it's overstaying its welcome. I agree, one hundred percent. Two, I feel that. Like, I don't necessarily mind the idea of different personalities inhabiting yeah. these avatars or these these players, but having The Rock do a bad Danny DeVito old person impression kind of scares me a little bit because if it doesn't work, you're stuck with that probably for at least right. an hour and a half to two hours. To be fair, we were worried about that in the trailers, I think, for the first jumanji sequel right. too right like thinking that oh jack back jack black playing the like the, jack black playing like a teenage girl we were gonna be like oh my god that's right like you know again you th- but i thought it worked in the movie, right but like, i would but i would also argue kevin hart and and jack black can play those i, I love i mean i love the rock don't get me wrong right but like they're comedians so they can kind of at least do that kind of go for the kind of caricature or stereotype where the rock as much as he's great presence, I don't know comedically how far he can right. really bend with that. Like we've seen, you know, movies like The Tooth Fairy and stuff like that, and it's always best to play to somebody's strength that they're not necessarily a, a comedian. And he almost he did a pretty good job playing like the dorky nerd guy, but that's not as much as a caricature, right? Like, yeah, that's just a guy. He's pretty much a normal kid who's a little insecure in this big buff boy boss who's actually played video games so at least he understands the concept of video games so where you have an old man who's not quote-unquote with it and doesn't know you know the world that they're in and the world of video games and doing that i don't know if it's a new york accent or or boston like it's some sort of like american very thick accent that i don't know if the rock can hold through the whole film yeah, I, I I agree with you there. I mean, I don't I, even know if it's an accent. Like, it sounds like an old person. I'm more like Danny Glover and Kevin Hart. Right. Like, even though I don't really like Kevin Hart all that much, but... and Kevin Hart even sounds like doesn't like Danny Glover doesn't sound like yeah, I know. like they're, he sounds like he's the old, top, but right? he doesn't sound like he sounds like he's some sort of like you know philosopher or something but that might be his character in that movie right and then are they gay grandpas or do they just live together i have no idea i'm like all right um that'd be a better movie gay grandpas with danny devito and danny glover um gay dannys (laughs) oh that Um, would be good um yeah i don't know like i agree that i i was pleasantly surprised by the first Jumanji sequel. And uh, again, one of those kind of sort of forgettable, but mildly enjoyable um, kind of popcorn movies. And um, I watched it a second time with Nevis and cause I told her, cause she loves Jumanji, the original one. And so do I for nostalgic reasons, not a great movie, but um, definitely not, but no, fun. Yeah. And dated. Fun. Yeah. A hundred percent. But I, I really do love the first jumanji movie just because i grew up with it and things like that and um i remember being afraid of the spiders same the spiders are the stampede and like that fucking creepy monkey that in 4k looks horrifying <laughs> like um yeah so i i told her i'm like no watch the sequel it's actually surprisingly decent and it held up a second time i just don't think i need more of it I'm like you're kind of doing the same shtick over again. Yeah, like, and you have now you're you going have into Aquafina now in this as well. Yeah. Uh, Nick Jonas is back. 
Yeah, and they're going to rescue. Um, uh, so probably what's the, his name? Um, what's his name? Uh, From Alex, Hereditary, Alex Wolf. Alex Wolf yeah. is in the Nick Jonas character, unless is he? Uh, Colin Hanks is back. Oh right, no, yeah, no. Then it probably he's in the Nick Jonas character. I'm assuming right. And that's the character that always gets fucking lost and stuck in the game. Yeah, because he's too he's busy useless. on hot ones. Yeah, that was um, a good episode actually. I haven't watched it. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I just don't think I need more. And I would have preferred if you did something a little bit different, right? Like, I get you want to bring back that cast because people it did, it was mildly successful. So I don't know, man. I'm just kind of whatever on it. Same. But it could be, it could be fine. Yeah, but. I mean, I'm sure like. The best case scenario is that we get another movie that's just on par, which is mediocre. Yeah. Um, but with at least some cleverness to it, where I feel like you only really needed the one film, but because it was so successful, the only reason why we're getting it is just that. It's a cash grab. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Uh, I didn't use 100% there. I used oh. for sure. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's go into uh, – we haven't done a big topic in a little while on the show. So uh, we're finally getting around to – I mean, we're only five days into July, so we're not too behind. But we're going to do our best of 2019 so far. Bringing so, up my letterbox uh, list. I will do the same. Um, spon- not a sponsor. It um, should be. If you guys want my letterbox, to. We'll sell up. out to you guys. Oh, <laughs> I <was gonna> <laughs> Stop myself. Um, Somebody has to do like if if they want to take the time, just put a compilation of uh, no, us. Just no one, 100%. no one wants to do that. <laughs> Please don't do that. You have much better things to do than that. Um, so we're into July now. It's crazy. We mentioned how it's hot. It'll be the end of the year before we know it. Tiff will be, we'll be here. dead soon. Tiff will be here, and we'll be talking about Oscar. You'll be married. Movies. Um, you'll be in a retirement home. We'll be doing our end of the year list before we know it but right now we are going to go through our i have 12 movies on my best of the year list i don't know what you have 16 um, okay wow but I, it's but it, again like it's just 16 movies that i i liked and but, like i yeah. would only say maybe the top for me it's usually 11 or 12 or four four and a, usually four stars and up i play because i do a top 25 then, so right now i'm just filling right. it out and like it's going to change obviously from yeah and there's so still usually, some stuff i haven't seen right. that i need to catch up on i agree um you didn't say 100 percent. i'm good for I'm you stopping myself now so yeah i wanted to go through um basically our best of the year list compare them talk about it um what we've thought about the first half of the year, if we, what we think, I want to go over our most anticipated films and see how some of those panned out. And did you want to talk um, at all about our most anticipated list of 2019 and see how it compares? That's I know we, exactly what I just said. You just repeated. What sorry, I'm just uh, I'm zoning out because I was just looking to make sure that that didn't stop. No, it it didn't. Okay. You're, you're always monitoring it, but that's literally what I said before okay. you just said it. So 100. Uh, <laughs> percent Yes, I would love to do that, Eric. Great idea, man. It's like I thought um, of it. Um, so, yes, I would like to go through that anticipated list, see how those netted out, um, and then kind of see what we think, if we think these movies will hold up for the rest of the year and what we're excited for uh, in the second half and what could potentially jump onto this list. And then we'll go into some – we'll briefly go over the news at the end of the episode. Not a huge news week, I think, because of the – holiday in the u.s and things like that but we got some little mermaid news um gary witta screenwriters doing a cool thing on twitch that i want to talk about and a few other things uh later in the show so eric i don't know how you want to handle this do you just want to kind of well we we did do um 
an early there was an earlier draft this year where we kind of covered our top 10 or or what we have on our list so far um so i say we just kind of maybe list them off and then just talk about talk them. instead of going back and forth yeah because yeah. it'll take less time cool um i'll jump in i'll i'll go through do you want to go 12 to 1 or 1 to 12 yeah 12 let's do one. let's do 12 to 1 but or i whatever. also want to say that like I'm still like this could change. Oh right, I've switched these around already. I yeah. had Spider Man. I switched around Endgame. I've switched around because I've mid-summer. I've also done this a couple like, times already. And there's some yeah. stuff that's not on this 16 or 12 that we're doing that are I still think are really good movies. Like I'll spoil this now. Endgame is not on this list, but it's still really really good. And where it spoilers, my, Endgame's at the top. So <laughs> so it doesn't reflect that I don't dislike the movies. Yeah. It's just that like. This You're still I, trying to figure out your yeah, list. Yeah, yeah. And so, like, by the end of the year, hopefully, knock on wood, it'll be somewhere in, in A there. little bit more yeah. firm that yeah. way. Yeah. And um, same with mine. It could, it could um, change at any point. I think I mix these up all the time. And we both included both – I mean, I included Midsummer and um, and Spider-Man on here, even though those technically came out – at the beginning of July, which right. is the second well, half I've, of Well, I've done that as well, but I've also included something that's not out theatrically yet yeah. that I saw at a festival, at a festival, at TIFF. Right. Uh, I've gone to many festivals <laughs> uh, at, at TIFF Don't last lie, year. just TIFF. Just TIFF, I know. Oh, we did see something at New York, so you've been to more than one. Yeah. Um, at least major film festivals. You've been to many more other smaller ones. All right, cool. I have 12 movies on my list. I kind of... Um, I was I could have had more that probably I usually try to put stuff that's four stars and above on my tentative list and then I kind of mix them around like the other thing that I'll preface too if you go on my letterbox I might have a movie that's a four and a half but then a movie that's a four ranked higher than it if Same. that makes sense I do that as well just because I think usually your your gut but it's reaction cu- it's about your, curating yeah. though as well right like it doesn't like it's gut reaction, but it doesn't necessarily have to mean like a you know a four and a five star movie are th- like this is the problem with ratings right? and like, reviews in general. Like, what do you say? Is this your favorite movies of the year? Are these the best movies of the year? Everyone, how many times are you going to watch it again? Yeah, every everyone does these things differently. So for me, it's usually based on favorite movies of the year. Yeah, and then you you lo- I mean, you really liked Midsommar a lot, but I don't know how many more times you're going to see it. Yes, where well, Avengers Endgame, like I'm you will watch a like, hundred times. Yeah, yeah. Which but it is, doesn't mean that you didn't like Midsommar. It's just, or if I think Midsommar is a better movie, but I like Endgame more or something yeah. like that. So Man, anyways, we are overcomplicating we this are. thing. Let's but... just do it. So uh, number twelve, I have a documentary that Eric and I reviewed earlier in the year um about one of my favorite podcasters uh nick scarpino trying to uh go about his comedy career in san francisco so it's called waiting for the punchline um so i have that slotted at number 12 he's a member of the podcast group kind of funny um it's about his journey trying to uh trying his hand at stand-up comedy it's available on uh rooster teeth first um, and I, I don't know. It's a movie that stuck with me. I think obviously I'm a fan of those guys. So I think I, I probably hold it in that regard because I'm really interested in anything that comes from them. I listen to their podcast religiously, like hours and hours on end every week. So, uh, but I did actually think the documentary was very well done and very interesting. So, uh, I have that slotted in at number 12. Um, after that, I have uh, number 11, Alita Battle Angel, a movie that kind of uh, surprised the hell out of me um, and I enjoyed it way more than I thought I would. A movie that I'm not sure will end up on this list by the end of the year, but um, 
I still really do want to watch it again. Surprisingly, not out yet on Blu-ray, right? It's coming out yeah. at, the, at the end of July. Yeah, but it's it's waited longer than um, maybe because of the whole Disney uh, Fox thing, or maybe, maybe even something to do with Cameron himself. Yeah, because I know he's also trying to work on bringing uh, 4K versions. Of the abyss and true lies, yeah. As well, and he's very hands-on with. Yeah, maybe he's about. very particular of how the transfer went. Um, number ten, a movie that I've mostly forgotten about, but really enjoyed it after my first watch, the Lego Movie Two. I almost forgot that 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 was this year, but I found it really endearing and a great follow-up um, after Lego Batman and 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 possibly uh, one of the last times we'll get to enjoy Chris Pratt yeah. as he turns to the dark side. Yeah religion <laughs> uh, and conservativeness just, oh that too yeah i mean yeah yeah um which usually goes hand in hand um yeah i i, I really did like the lego movie too i'm just struggling to like i remember that it came out this year right but, um well it's it's fading away like certain characters uh-huh. um, but also i mean like it's it, i i liked it a lot too. i like the brother sister dynamic in it and, the, and i'm grateful that a movie like that came out early enough so we had we could, something yeah and and it's not as good as like say like paddington 2 but um i wouldn't also like it's still the lego movie the first lego movie is the best but out of all the spin-offs and sequels or just spin-offs this is the best one still. yeah it was like, a lego decent follow-up yeah. yeah it's good uh, you still see phil lord and chris miller's kind of uh fingerprints all over it i i really do love the brother sister dynamic in the film and how that plays into the plot and things like that like, shout out gro- to brooklyn prince yeah growing up with a sister and i really felt connected to that storyline throughout shout out um, to sarah yeah my sister is is great she's in halifax right now um she was stranded for a little bit because her housing was a disaster she got there and it wasn't cleaned and there was like it was just disgusting. so she had her own fire fest god yeah basically it was crazy uh for, from what i've heard um moving on uh number nine and eight are two netflix films uh once again i prefaced it earlier this was before i started working for a company that does some stuff for netflix but um just want to be transparent with everyone um high flying bird and triple frontier coming in at nine and eight um i Pleasantly surprised by Triple Frontier when we went to see it at Lightbox. Uh, Like, one of those movies that's not a great movie, but I just had a blast watching, and I just loved the... And Netflix is no longer going to make those movies. Yeah. Um, I love the machismo kind of, like... I don't men know, I on just, a mission men on a mission heist film. Like, right. I just thought it was really well executed, and um, uh, I... I think it's a movie that I will revisit and and watch again, and I I really really did love it. Weirdly, right? Like I didn't expect that at all. Maybe, but it was my a great exp- big screen experience as yeah. well. Like I think part of why Dolby I, Atmos I, I liked it crazy. the first time around, especially I, I haven't had a, an interest to go back and watch it. Not yet, but I mean, um, maybe later. was yeah, was the Dolby Atmos and and watching it big and loud. And I guess that goes against the point of what Netflix is. But um, I mean, if you have a good setup at home, you can get. A similar experience yeah but it yeah it was just it was it was a great kind of rebound uh movie in 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 terms of uh what jc chandor had been doing previously i i didn't love a most violent year yeah same so and i didn't dislike it i just kind of forgot about it i think most of his stuff for me is like that so um yeah this was a pleasant surprise and then going to uh high flying bird um i just was amazed by this cinematography it's all shot on iphone um 
I liked what he did in um, uh, what's the thriller? Unsane. Unsane. Um, and that had that iPhone look that was a little digital and choppy and, and that fit But it was meant movie. to look a little bit more ugly yes. because it, it's kind of, again, playing into an exploitation film so where this is smoother It's a drama from the writer of Moonlight and, um, and yeah, it's slick and it's in 239 widescreen and I was surprised at how cinematic it looked because I was worried about all that. I great dialogue. It, great too. dialogue. I love the plot line of a fictional NBA lockout. It's, it's very interesting and made me even more interested in what's going on with Kawhi Leonard and the Raptors right now and it's just we're not stalking him it's yeah (laughs) poor man (laughs) Toronto needs to chill like everyone needs to calm the fuck down but in this movie I think that was really fascinating following some of these uh fictional NBA players and and this agent who's trying to kind of end this NBA lockout and um I think it's excellent. If you haven't seen it yet, like it's it's right there for you. It's there. And Soderbergh has another and... movie coming out uh, later this year called The Laundromat with your favorite uh, star Meryl Streep. Yep. Uh, moving on. Will she have normal teeth? We'll find <laughs> Hopefully. out. Hopefully. Uh, moving on, another movie that was a huge pleasant surprise. Uh, Rocket Man. Um, loved it. Um, uh, the Elton John biopic musical from uh, the guy who came in to try to clean up. Uh, Bohem- Dexter Fletcher, yeah, yeah, Dexter Fletcher, who tried to clean up Bohemian Rhapsody. Uh, How'd think, that go for him? Uh, I mean, fine for him. Not, I mean, the movie's terrible. It, he, you can't. It's not his fault. If no. you're polishing a turd, it's still a turd. Yeah. <laughs> like so. Anyways, I thought this was excellent. I loved uh, the musical numbers, the dance sequences. I thought it was a blast. I loved that they didn't pull any punches. It was R-rated. Um, I thought Taron Egerton is phenomenal. He's actually singing, um, which is great. And I think he does an amazing, an amazing job. Uh, number six, which I'm sure is on your list, is The Beach Bum. Yes. Uh, I think one of the best comedies of the year. Um, a great stoner um, adventure movie. I think Matthew McConaughey's Moondog is amazing. Um, just a, a great trip. Um, Don't forget Snoop Dogg is lingerie. Snoop Dogg, yeah. <laughs> Martin Lawrence. Martin oh my Lawrence. God, is Captain, Captain Whack? It's great, man. Um, if you guys haven't seen Beach Bum, available now, I think, right? Yeah, like it's a, available on, on Blu-ray yeah. streaming services, and and just yeah, like unfortunately, it's one of those movies that is an art house comedy, and even though it got a wide release. It bombed because of that, but I feel that it will, like in 10 years, be a cult classic. Maybe not on the same level as Big Lebowski, but who knows? I think people who randomly stumble upon it once it's on streaming services and stuff might have a good time with it. Because I feel like we mentioned it's, I think it's Harmony Corinne's most accessible. I'd say Spring Breakers maybe is a little bit more. Like, I I feel like there are moments in this that, like, I disagree completely. Play with the audience in a way that it's almost like they're testing their patience. So, Spring Breakers, even more, I think, man. I completely disagree with you. Interesting. um, I think Spring Breakers is way more of a tough watch to people, like to a everyday audience than this is. All those Selena Gomez fans Uh, were just eating it up. I think, yeah, no, no, I know. (laughs) Uh, Then we go into uh, recently released Toy Story Four at my number five slot. Um, I thought we meant you guys can go back to our review. Very recently, we talked about this. I thought it was a great epilogue to um the perfect ending in toy story 3 but i thought it was incredibly enjoyable one of the funniest toy story movies um keanu reeves is is fantastic as duke kaboom i thought canada yeah i i really did think it was just delightful and um uh, and and incredibly enjoyable um my number four is midsomar 
Um, like Eric mentioned, probably a movie that I won't watch again for a very long time. Our friend Mike Munts went to see it today, and he was like, the hell? <laughs> <laughs> like, he, he messaged me. He's like, should I bike to Landmark Cinemas to see Midsummer, No. Or just, or just stay inside my, my apartment? And I was like, go bike and see Midsummer." Oh, like, you should have taken an Uber or something, because, like, that's the kind of movie where you need, like... Like doing work after it physically, yeah. <laughs> like it's you need time to just. <laughs> yeah, that's what he said. He's there. like, I need to sit on this for a while. He wasn't sure what to think. Uh, I sa- I've sat on it for a while. I think it's beautiful and stylish and fucked up and interesting. And I I, I do want to watch it again because I feel like there's a lot there to kind of right. Um, it's a little less polished than Hereditary. Like Hereditary feels like Hereditary really technically is the second film of his career because Midsummer was written before and yeah. you, you can tell like this is him going all out and like it feels like that first time filmmaker thing, thing where you're putting yeah. everything into it but at the same time it also avoids the sophomore slump in in a lot of ways where like you know something like us was kind of disappointing in that way where like right. it felt like also get out weirdly feels like a second or third film where it's like the filmmaker is so accomplished by that point agree i didn't say 100% uh, my number three slot, a movie I did not expect to be here, but Under the Silver Lake, um, available, kind of got dumped, wasn't really widely available in theaters. Um, A24, mostly, man. Mostly, I'm surprised, they, they take risks on things like Midsummer and like... And, high Life. And High Life, but then they're like, no, nah, this is too risky, we're not going to put it out. Um I loved it. Uh, we we again we did we we didn't officially review it. No, but we, we but both we, talked about it because yeah. we both. I think I watched it on Amazon before, Prime, and yeah. then yeah, 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 that pushed me to finally watch it. Uh, a perfect stoner movie again. Two of these movies on my list are great stoner movies. Um, just a movie we said like juvenile at times, but. I think I can forgive that because there's so much in there that I really do like. And, yeah, and there's um, some disturbing visuals. In disturbing there visuals, well. playing with um, different genres and kind of twisting them on their heads. And it is a movie that I feel like is playing into a lot of my interests and a lot of things that I really do love. But it does feel like a movie that I would try to make when I'm fresh out of college or maybe high school or something like that. Um, yeah. Uh, so... Again, but that being said, it's still my third favorite film I've seen this year. I was completely like kind of enthralled with it, and and it's just a shame um, that more, like it didn't get a theatrical release because even though I didn't love it as much as you, like it definitely deserved, you know, its chance to play to an audience. Yeah, and again, expectations could play into a lot of these things too. Like going in with very low well, expectations, even just at like, a festival again, yeah. right? Like like a festival can make or break something and. Whether it is good or not, and and look what happened with with this. I mean, with Can last year, it was booed. It was considered one of the worst things ever. You know, A twenty four wanted uh, David Robert Mitchell to edit the film, and he had final cut. So yeah. he said, "Nah." And I think that's uh, probably. Uh, uh. I feel like that's maybe the reason why they dumped it is because he was kind of being stubborn about it because. He did have final cut, and, and much like Ari Aster's talked about, that he had final cut on on Midsummer. Yeah, but, but you don't like, see them doing to Ari Aster what they did to. No, David because Robert he Mitchell. did cut it because he said his preferred cut is two hours and forty five minutes, and they made him cut twenty minutes Damn from it. it. And you um, could have been seeing like, yeah, more weird. Because I read an interesting interview. I forget who it was with. I apologize, but I, I think it, more will. It might have been on Slash Film or something like that, but. Um, or Collider, because they always ask about um, alternate cuts. I mean, it works. Times. Don't get me wrong. Like, I didn't feel like there was anything missing. He from said that. Somewhere. He's like, I wasn't. He's like, I. He's like, I think I will eventually release the two hour and forty five minute 
like director's cut. He's like release the Snyder cut. Well, he's like that is like my preferred version. He's like, but this obviously is an approved cut of mine. Like I had Final Cut and I listened to their notes of trying to get it down to uh, 220 or 225, right? Um, which is still <laughs> ridiculous. But I'd be curious to see what he did cut out because he said there was some really interesting stuff he had a he had a hard time cutting. And so then what he said his first cut was three hours and 45 minutes, which is regular for any filmmaker. Right. But so Ari Aster is the Rolling Stones and uh, David Robert Mitchell is the Doors. And the reference that I'm making here is that um, – the Rolling Stones, when they first performed on the Ed Sullivan show, were asked to change lyrics to one of their songs, Let's Spend the Night Together, to Let's Spend Some Time Together, and they did that. And then uh, The Doors were asked the same thing with one of their songs, and they didn't. They refused, and then the producers of that show said afterwards, you can no longer come on this show again. And they said, we don't care. Yeah. We were already on the Once. show. Yeah, why do I need to come back? Um, so anyways, I... Different I, strokes, though, I think right? totally underrated of... film, Under the Silver Lake, I enjoyed the hell out of it available on blu-ray um, and on amazon uh, streaming prime, on prime. in canada yeah. at least um i think it's on the u.s as yeah well. as well yeah. and then uh, obviously i'm a fucking marvel fanboy so my uh i like to make fun of myself but uh my two and one are spider-man far from home and avengers and game just i don't know man like that when i rewatched the mcu movies uh last year leading into uh infinity war i i had a weird relationship with the mcu where like i thought i grew out of it and we became tired with it i remember around the time of age of ultron and and a couple other things and i was like i don't know these things are the same thing over and over again and i I had superhero fatigue or mcu fatigue um but then they just won me back in phase three at some point and i just feel like they've been knocking them out of the park and i've just like completely invested it is the most i've been invested in some sort of thing since like it is television on the biggest scale possible right right and as much as i was obsessed with lost or something like that that's how i've kind of become with the now they have a smoke monster too yeah yeah with the mcu and um again not every mcu movie as you see captain marvel's not on this list because i'm sexist obviously i wasn't gonna go there i knew i knew you were no i wasn't you always say something like that i'm not sexist everybody i did like captain marvel a lot it was i think it was number 13 or 14 well when you say captain marvel Um, you actually mean shazam no 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 hashtag my captain marvel Uh, no it's not stop um captain marvel's a fine movie but again i put it more in that ant-man and the wasp area than i do something like far from home and endgame and uh just Endgame, I think we go back and listen to our reviews if you want it. And our Spider-Man stuff, we just put up the spoiler cast. So go go and listen to that. It was a great, great conversation we yeah. had. You know what um, really didn't work for you, I think, for Captain Marvel making it into at least the top 12? Was getting that uh, Disney Blu-ray with uh, the French and English on it. That right, kind of right. set yeah, it off. That just automatically bumps it down a couple notches. So, uh, yeah, I'm a Marvel mark. I, uh, I just... No, you're Marvel Matt. I just... I really love the MCU guys. I'm sorry. I know when you're uh, what a, like, what a fan is, boy. The thing is, I will be honest though. When like, I'm just being myself. So it's just like, yeah, I'm not, fine. I I'm not in the, in the bag for every Marvel movie, but I just really feel like they've uh, been killing it. And it's the most fun I have at the movies. And like, I just, I really do buy into it into that. And I know it's a populist kind of thing, but then you have weird shit. Like, fucking under the silver lake that i love too so right. i don't know um, it's kind of like a marvel movie though sort of 
So, anyways, your list. Okay. I don't know where you want to start. You can uh, do all sixteen if you yeah, want. Yeah, no, I'll just I'll just quickly run through uh, sixteen to thirteen and just say the titles and be like, oh, well, th- these were good. Uh, so, uh, nonfiction, uh, the Mustang, uh, How to Train Your Dragon, The Hidden World, and Midsummer are the are thirteen to sixteen. Cool. Um, Midsummer though is one that I feel will probably Could shift around. Shift around because I really do like it quite a bit and well you watch think... it again before the end of the year well i did hereditary when yeah. it came out on 4k and i liked it even more the second time so i i'll probably try to force myself to rewatch that at some point even though i know it's going to be <laughs> misery to watch it at times um but I, yeah like midsummer again like this is right now like this is oh, still my list could completely fucking progress change. Yeah. yeah um captain marvel still could make it <laughs> no sorry uh, <laughs> love you brie but no um okay so 12 is her smell from alex ross perry interesting i i it's one of those movies i love films where a performance did that get released yet yeah it did did, back in april right it It played at the light box box. right Yeah. Yeah, yeah um i always like movies that are sort of honed in on bigger than life performances whether it be you know daniel day lewis and there will be blood or um you know the cast of network with with peter finch like i just like a performance that isn't afraid to go big or go home or jack nicholson in the shining and i feel elizabeth moss in this movie i can see matt yawning already and falling asleep um i'm not as, doing that in jest, as this courtney love-esque rock star um, I did almost fall asleep. Who is an unlikable, complex character who finds an interesting arc through these chapters of her life, you know, through the excess, the highs and lows, whether it be, you know, on drugs and, and at the peak of their career, peak of her career as this, you know, uh, giant uh, megalomaniac who is destroying everyone and everything around her. Uh, whether it be her friends, her bandmates, uh, her family, her producers, and where that final act goes. And that final act... Which I should probably still see. <laughs> really, I, I think if you have a really good third or, or, or third act to a structure, um, it can really do a lot for you. And leaving that experience, it is long. Like, it is long and draining. Oh, your but, ending can make or break your movie, I But feel like, like Midsommar, like, I think it's intentionally supposed to drag you out a bit and right. make you feel like the character. And where it ends, because I don't want to spoil anything, but it's not like a, like a big reveal or anything, but, like, where it ends feels very organic and real to what this character has done, but also narratively makes sense. Like, it's pushed in a way that you feel that okay, yeah, I can see where this character ends up, but it doesn't do it in like, oh, it's betraying what the character was to begin with. Um, and I, I'm not a big punk rock guy or like 90s grunge or music. even an but Alex I, Ross Perry fan. No, I like Alex Ross oh, I Perry. Like, I, no, I, I, his, I like his movies because his characters are so unlikable and characters that are harder that to... That Winnie the Pooh, that piece of shit. <laughs> well, he is. Yeah, actually, kind of. Yeah, yeah. Well, no, okay. I no, meant, not like, Winnie the Pooh himself. The but, character. But, but the, the voice actor. That's a different story. Let's not. But yeah. Listen Up, Philip is my still my favorite of his stuff with Jason Schwartzman, who is a complete prick in that um and i even liked uh queen of earth okay with, uh, I, i'm i was mistaken I yeah no i like i like his stuff okay. I, he reminds me of like almost like an even an even more 
nastier Noah Baumbach yeah. in, a, in a lot of ways. Both New York kind of based filmmakers. Um, so yeah, I, 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 I dug that. And uh, coming in at number 11 is Olivia Wilde's Booksmart, a film that... I uh, really enjoyed. I had a good time watching. I think the comedy works. I mean, a lot of people compared it to Super Bad, but I think it's also its own thing, and it's sort of changing the genre in which it's playing in, which is the you know up all night high schooler comedy. Uh, great performances by both Caitlin Deaver and Beanie Feldstein. A lot of great supporting roles. I think the filmmaking is uh, pretty assured for a first time film. Like it doesn't necessarily feel at times like. This is Olivia Wilde's first movie. When you think, I disagreed with you a little bit there. Well, no, but... here's the, but here's where I'm coming from. There's a lot of filmmake. There's a lot of actors that feel that like they can make a movie based on their careers or legacies, and that they have every right to do it. And it's right. almost a vanity project. This doesn't feel like a vanity yeah, project. Fair, fair. This feels like a commercial comedy, right. just directed. By a known someone who happens to be Olivia. Yeah, Wilde. exactly. Yeah. And and I think she has a lot of style and chops, and I'm really excited to see what she's going to do in the future. Yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong. I I, I still really like Booksmart. I think you guys can listen to our reviews. I've even softened. I think by the time we recorded, I softened on it a little bit. I was initially kind of disappointed, and then and I and I still do really. I think I gave it three and a half, and yeah. um, I think it would be in that. For me right now, in that second tier that would be just outside my best of the year, it would be maybe like my honorable mentions right now. Right. Um, and again, Danger of like Film it. Festival the... overhype as well, right? Because sure. it played at Sundance, uh, South, South by Southwest South, yeah. and was praised the, the coming of Christ. Yeah. yeah. And uh, I think that plays into it. And I'm excited to just chill at home and, and probably get stoned and watch it or something and probably enjoy it way more. Yeah, I'm also um, excited to rewatch it again because it's one of those movies where I feel like I could – watch it at least two or three more times without like getting tired of it. Cause yeah. I just in, had fun watching it. And it's yeah. just one of those films like, yeah, my, 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 my critical mind is still in gear. I'm looking at what wild and, you know, she has like six or seven co-writers on the film and that's, a feat in itself that it's so cohesive still and works. Yeah. But I, I think the writing was the one part. I don't know. I had an issue. With I know we, we, like, we've yeah. talked about that, but, but again, like I, I think, overall the intentions of what it's trying to convey yeah it gets at and it does it really well it is well. breezy and i think yeah, yeah it, and there's it, some and there's some great tracking shots in this as oh, well yeah, like in terms of what she's able to do direction wise yeah, yeah the pool sequence is, is really well done it's great that whole party sequence is yeah. very good um so shout out to olivia wilde and book smart um my number 10 is a movie you already mentioned which is high flying bird um, great performances, snappy, fast-paced dialogue that reminds you of something that Aaron Sorkin would write. Yeah. Um, it's got kind of almost like a heist-style plot. Yeah. Uh, Kyle MacLachlan playing a oh, bit yeah. of a scumbag. <laughs> yeah, I forgot about that, yeah. Um, it's that a good sauna time. scene. <laughs> yeah, and, and it just show. oh, God, the, the farmer's, uh, uh, what do they call it, farmer's blowers? Oh, or, yeah. That's oh, it's so gross. Anyone who does that, don't do that. Yeah, and, and Soderbergh, again, going back to his indie roots but at the same time showing you that you don't you don't need you know all the bells and whistles to tell a really good story i mean yeah soderbergh can get these great actors to be a part of it but he was able to make a movie in new york with almost next to nothing and yeah. it's one of it the best looking blows movies my i've seen yeah. this year it blows my mind watch it in 4k on on netflix and 
I cannot believe that was completely shot on an iPhone. Yeah, it's it's incredible. And again, it shows you like the different styles. Like it's it looks nothing like Unsane. Yeah. You know, so the the opportunities that the iPhone will give up and coming filmmakers or people that need to shoot on the fly um, varies. And it's not just going to be like one specific style or one genre you can work in. Mm-hmm. Uh, so my number nine is Amazing Grace, the Aretha Franklin documentary, concert documentary, um, which was the recording of two nights in the so early we, 1970s. We both had a doc, Nick Scarpino. <laughs> Aretha Franklin. Aretha Franklin. Um, a movie that almost never saw the light of day um, because of uh, Aretha Franklin herself. Almost played Tiff. <laughs> almost played Tiff a couple years ago. Um only was released because uh, Franklin passed away. One of those movies where it was shot at a time where Aretha Franklin was, you know, at the peak of her success in her career. She had 12, 13 number one singles. She's recording a gospel album over the course of two nights. You feel the electricity of the people watching in the room, especially on night two when, you know, people like Mick Jagger stop by. Um, And I just love those movies that are in the moment that take you back to a period of time that otherwise you'd never get to experience. And it's also rough around the edges because, you know, Sidney Pollack, who's not credited as directing it, but did direct or was supposed to direct it, didn't, use uh, a slate to sync the clapping in like right you were mentioning this on one of the episodes, right yeah. so every time you do a take or do a sound check you have to clap a slate so, so you can sync the audio yeah. exactly he didn't do that that's another reason why this the footage languished in you know places like france for years i don't envy those sound guys who had to i don't through. either and somehow the movie comes together perfectly it's a great big screen experience but it's also going to be one of those movies that i hope people will catch up on uh when it's released uh through streaming i don't think it's getting a blu-ray release which is unfortunate because neon has been pretty good uh with that and elevation pictures released it here in in canada and and again like i just felt like i was there and li- i'm not a big i'm not a big gospel guy but like seeing this seeing a franklin in her prime perform yeah. and belt out these tunes and figure them out as as she goes along and sort of like the range that she has yeah. she's not only a great singer but she's a technician yeah. and that's the kind of stuff I love, and I will take those over any biopic any day of the Let week. Let me guess. Apollo 11's on your list somewhere. Well, maybe. <laughs> maybe. Because everything you just said applies to Apollo 11. Well, <laughs> see Apollo 11 for, for, yeah. for the same thing. Uh, number eight is a movie that's not uh, in theaters yet that I saw. You at, cheater. That I saw at TIFF. I don't care. It's my one of my favorite films of the year, one of my favorite comedies next to another film that will be coming up in a little bit, In Fabric. Yeah, in fabric, I will preface would be on my list if I went by the same rules as you. Right, you're but I, I, <laughs> I, I play fast and loose. Um, I don't know how to describe this movie other than saying that this truly is the Phantom Thread, and in fabric should have been Paul Thomas Anderson's title for the Daniel Day Lewis movie. Yeah, they should have um, just done a trade. It's funny. It's playing in the Jallo cinema style of horror. If you've seen Strickland's other stuff, it's really. I want to go find. back and watch Barbarian Sound Studio. I, I do too. I haven't I watched too. it since. Tip. I've seen the Duke of Burgundy again, and I liked it more the second time. Right, because I was mixed on Duke of Burgundy. Right, <laughs> it, but it's still weird and funny and 
bizarre and horrific at times. Um, I think the first half of this movie is a lot stronger than the second. It almost feels like there should be a third story, or there kind of is, I guess, with the framing device of this almost like... Um, upper echelon store that this dress is originally sold at but it feels like oh there is a story <laughs> but it feels but it feels it just like shoots it, it, but it feels the like screen, there should be man. three where there's only two stories divide <laughs> you finally got that Thank no you. i did but i was trying to get through the sentence uh you'll never look at mannequins the same way again you'll never look at uh uh retail uh uh employees the same way again you'll never look at laundry like even thinking about it now i'm chuckling to myself how ridiculous and lewd it is cool halloween 3 vibe with the tv spots and stuff like that yeah i mean it's again going back also to you know 1960s italian giallo cinema where like it's very vibrant and the the primary colors of red blue and yellow are are popping out at you like it feels like something like Edgar oh, it's Wright pop, is popping out <laughs> <laughs> that Edgar Wright would really love as well yeah with like don't right? yeah or even again like uh, Mario Bava and and um, Dario Argento and their sure, stuff yeah. And, um, I just had a great time, and and I had a great time watching it with you like it was it was a I, it was an experience. Remember how hard it was to get into that screening too? Yeah, hard it was. Well, it sure was hard. <laughs> And then they had to add screenings because it was in a tiny theater, right? And then I remember yeah. that being one of the hardest press screenings. It sure was into. hard. <laughs> oh, you guys, I can't wait for you to see it. It's so fucked up. Yeah. And I love it. And 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 I actually really can't wait to see it again. Like Same. It's one of those movies where I do hope it does get distribution in Canada and it's not a movie like that suffers a similar it's gonna fate be, as Under the Silver it's Lake. It's going to be tough, man. I, I know I know it's not a movie that's like you can't sell it, but I feel like it still, again, deserves a chance. And with that trailer being released... Can you released, see this being played at Landmark or something? Like, hey, man, I would have never yeah. thought Midsommar would yeah. be released at Landmark, but here we are. Yeah. Bless A24. Yeah. <laughs> Erections for everyone. Oh, man. Um god damn it that movie is so good uh so coming in at number seven coming in (laughs) god damn it you guys will see you'll see you'll see please go see it loopy now uh at number seven is the last black man in san francisco can't Uh, wait to see it this is a movie i just saw i mean it opened in the u.s at the end of june so it's been playing for a while so i don't know if you would accuse me of you know, putting this on the list too early or not. Um, no, because it was released in the U.S. Before. But it's a movie that reminds me a little bit of, of we were talking about how much we like a ghost story. I mean, where, I cheated. I had Midsummer and Spider-Man on mine. So right. Who, who am I? Yeah. Piece, piece of shit. <laughs> phony. <laughs> we got a phony here. Um, it reminds me a lot of a, a, a ghost story the more I think about Ooh, it. Where it's very, it is haunting, but haunting. My Peter in, Tingle's going off, man. But haunting in a way that we look at the world and we see what we're told as children and right. what we grow up learning. And also to see, you know, San Francisco and the Bay area specifically kind of be the subject of a lot of, um, recent commentary in movies like sorry to bother you and blind spotting and even, um, black Panther to a certain degree about gentrification and racial discrimination and, right looking at the world from somebody who has been marginalized 
is absolutely fascinating and touching and powerful. And I think what Joe Talbot and uh, Jimmy Fails have created here. And they were been lifelong best friends. Yeah, right? yeah. And that relationship is reflected in the movie. Now, Jimmy Fails is playing a version of himself called Jimmy Fails. And uh, Joe Talbot, his his uh, substitute here, or surrogate, is uh, Jonathan Majors, who I've talked about on this podcast before being a major talent um, as his best friend, um, are fantastic together. There are these kind of long, extended, scored montages. Um, I think that the, the score itself is a very important part to moving the plot along. The house that these guys end up staying in. So the idea that Jimmy Fails, as a kid, grew up in this Victorian-era uh, Fillmore district Yeah, your classic home. San Franciscan. Yeah, that is now... Home. That is now you know, only wealthy upper middle class white people can afford and even they are having trouble affording it, um, end up squatting in and sort of the idea of like what it means to them and what Jimmy sort of has interpreted over the years as being his and, and what it meant to his family specifically and how legacy and lore can kind of manipulate you and sort of play against what you believe in. Yeah, and all I... that stuff is, is amazing in this movie. I feel that it's a, a film that will find an audience over time and hopefully people will see it on the big screen. Um, if you don't, if you have a great sound system, that score again is amazing. Uh, Emil uh, Mozari is the uh, composer and he also does, uh, uh, I don't want to say the name of the song because I don't want to give anything away, but he takes a song that we've heard many times before, at least a song that's been played in other movies and does something completely new and fresh with it, and cool. there, yeah, I could just live in this I, movie. I can't wait to see it. I'm I'm going tomorrow morning. I hope so. I'm not overhyping it as well because like I don't want to. over No, but I've it. heard that for I I'm not overhyped, but like I'm just excited to see it because I I want something like when you compared it to Ghost Story and like I know exactly kind of what you mean by that. Right. And, um, it's um, so assured as a, poetic, as a film. almost. Yeah, too, yeah. Right? Well, I mean. Jimmy Fails is also known as a poet. Oh, okay. Um, and it does feel like you're watching a visual poem on the big screen. And this is more than just, you know, a cinematic event. It's a work of, of art. And you can feel the filmmakers and the people in the community coming together to tell such an interesting story and a beautifully crafted one that doesn't necessarily... Like, the opening shot of this movie, it's like, if you didn't know anything about this film going in, and I'm sure a lot of people didn't when it played at Sundance, you wouldn't know where it's going initially right. and there's stuff in there that is plays with magical realism that i don't think a lot of other movies can get away with this pulls that off cool um so Next going up. on to number uh seven no 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 six six the souvenir joanna hogg's the souvenir which is not an easy movie to watch but it's a very powerful, observed relationship drama, sort of focused on a young woman who is entering film school uh, in the in England, in London in the 1980s, and sort of this horrible relationship she has with this older man who is working for the British government um, as a foreign officer and during the IRA and, and uh, terrorist attacks. And you see that, like, right away that he is not good for her, but you understand also at the same time that first love can really fuck with you and you can sort of look past those bigger problems that people have and you know that like it's not going to end well especially like this isn't a spoiler like this is up front even in the trailer that 
this guy has a heroin addiction and where that goes. But Joanna Hogg's also looking at and calling out, you know, upper white class privilege because she comes from a more astute family where uh, Tilda Swinton uh, is playing the mother and the, the lead uh, honor burn Swinton um, in her first movie is her, is her real daughter. Oh, okay. Cool. Uh, and it's a great performance by her as well. And it's weird as well, just considering that this is the first of two parts um, that oh, they're shooting the second part right now. Oh, I had no idea. And originally, Robert Pattinson was going to be in it, but he's shooting the Nolan movie instead. And then Batman. Yes. Um, so I highly recommend that. It's playing at the Lightbox, Lightbox still. Yeah. Um, and a lot of Joanna Hogg's uh, earlier movies, because this is kind of her first big breakthrough film, are playing on the Criterion channel. So if you want to check out those right. movies as well. And she was the one that kind of discovered Tom Hiddleston. Because okay. uh, he's in her first couple of movies. Cool. Would I like this? I don't know. That's the thing. Like, yeah, I think up. it's Yeah. It, like, I think you would at least appreciate the idea. It's... And I should also say the way that this movie is sort of presented narratively is elliptical. So it's not a narrative structure that is like from point A to point B. You're just seeing certain scenes from this relationship. So at one point you see them kind of getting to know each other at a party. And then the next scene will be them in a relationship already. And it's just seeing how those two kind of live together and function and where that relationship goes. Okay, I, I, I might go see it because it's playing Lightbox. Like, right, at the light but box. I could see you not liking it either. Just That's because fair. Like, it's, it's very British. As yeah, well. oh no. <laughs> Sorry, yeah. I'm kidding. I, there are some British things that I like. Uh, number five, you already mentioned, and I'm actually, again, this this is where like this could be a lot higher later on, is The Beach Bum. Uh, Matthew McConaughey, in the performance he was born to play as a moondoggin' writing pot smoking uh uh sort of hippie type uh who's rated guy fieri's uh wardrobe um it's an awesome movie in terms of playing with the hedonistic sort of lifestyle and florida man uh sort of tropes um and at the same time it's also artfully done and all those reasons and more it, it, it to me it's like the best version of of an Adam Sandler comedy you could possibly get um but more artistically done um and yeah I just I, I again like I I don't think I've laughed harder at any movie yeah I would uh, probably agree there like I literally mean, I almost it. from beginning to end like my ribs were sore from how much I was laughing at that and especially the Martin Lawrence <laughs> Captain Wax sequence are you still on the supporting actor train there? Oh, 100%. I have to say 100% for this one because Martin Lawrence, to me, that performance, like if that was a Terrence Malick movie or a prestige film, and I said Terrence Malick specifically because because Harmony Crin is actually mocking and referencing yeah. the style yeah. of filmmaking that Malick has applied for the last three or four films, those, you know, floating, roving cameras and uh, the whispery voiceover narration, but he's doing it in a kind of like mocking satirical way, way, but it works. Um, And if that was that kind of movie, people would be, you know, tripping over themselves to give this movie awards and praise. Like I think both McConaughey and Martin Lawrence should be nominated for 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 their work here, but hey, it's a comedy. And it's also neither a subvers- will. no, it's a subversive film. The best that this you'll movie vote can- for them. <laughs> I will. I'll be the only guy for the BFCA that votes for them, and I I will take 
pleasure in, in being knowing that I'm probably the only guy knowing that's the doing one it. person who tallies it goes okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like you see, it's like Martin Lawrence uh, in, in the Beach Bum one, Matthew yeah. McConaughey in the Beach Bum one, and then you see Matthew McConaughey in Serenity one. It's like who voted for that? <laughs> and also, it kind of makes fun of Serenity in a weird way because there's a scene when he's in rehab and on the chalkboard it says Serenity and big words, and I'm convinced that that, that is, is a, a joke shot. at Ser- probably. McConaughey put it yeah. in there, right? Yeah, it has to be. He probably was like, can I write that serenity in big letters? Yo, I board? just made this really weird, like, fucking fishing movie <laughs> that... Anyways, what yeah. Are... That is one of the wildest movies of the year. Uh, yeah. No, I... I and again... That like... in that Subway commercial we watched. <laughs> It'd be amazing if that Subway commercial just said directed by uh, Harmony Corinne. Yeah. Then it would all make sense. Um, so, my number four is... It's one that it's a movie that I think is important and didn't play theatrically anywhere other than a festival, which is leaving leaving Neverland. And I feel okay to me like it's, it's a it's a film, yeah, yeah, no, 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 I know, but it, you know, some people would say that it's a documentary and it only really was meant for HBO and and all that kind of stuff. But it, it's also a film that I don't know if I want to watch ever again. But at yeah. the same time, and and the documentary filmmaking itself is okay like it's not great it does what it needs to but i also appreciate that for that but what it made me feel in the sense that i empathize it's not a movie that needed to be overly stylized no that's what i mean i empathize with the two victims of somebody who had immense power and was abusing abusing that and also you know other people turned a blind eye on what michael jackson was doing to these kids who grew up to become adults that had issues of their own and watching the movie you understand and realize how nobody should be able to get away with that kind of abuse or power and you know like it's just it's a harrowing watch it's an important watch it's something that gets under your skin and it made me feel something. Yeah. And that's why it's on the list. Fair. Um, but yeah, and again, like I understand why there's a lot of people that won't watch it either. And it's yeah, too I mean, hard I... for people to watch. But I, I would also say that it's it's worth your time. Yeah, and I, I pretty much agree with you. I th- we had a good discussion about it on, on the podcast. We didn't review it, right? No, it was just No, but we did talk show. about it. And um, yeah, I agree with everything you said. I just felt like the filmmaking wasn't great, but I agree with you that it just let the stories kind of be the focus, right? Like it didn't need to be overly produced. It let the subjects tell the stories how they mm-hmm. needed to tell those stories and was there for them. But it was a fairly basic uh, right. setup and that I think that's okay and I do think it's very important and that I do think it's worth a watch. I just – I didn't put it on my yeah. list. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I mean, it's playing on, or it's available on HBO uh, or Crave. Go right now, and Crave in Canada, yeah. and and I mean, if you if you are willing to 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 look into this and go there, then I would I would recommend it because it is something that I think needs to be further explored, and especially when it comes to celebrity. Yeah. Um. And yeah, it's just fucked up. Like it's, ugh, like, it just gives me the chills thinking about it now, and especially in the context of like. The music, like, I mean, like a lot of people, I, I do like or liked his music. Like, I Thriller is a great album, but... I did too, man, But yeah. that doesn't give him the excuse to get away with what he 
most likely did. You know, agreed. So, yeah. Uh, moving on, um, I had, had number three, and this is where that list thing is coming up again. Where I mentioned it at the beginning of the show, um, the farewell is a movie that is kind of continually creeping up on me. Now, I don't know if it is really the third best movie I've seen this year, but I keep thinking about and it's it. It's recent in your mind, and it's too. yeah, and it yeah, and it's it's fresh. I think Aquafina is amazing in this. I think uh, Lulu Wong does very assured, astute observations in cultural differences, but in universal themes of family and doing something that is so difficult, which is saying goodbye to a loved one. Yeah. And that is devastating in itself, but then also learning on top of it that like, you know, in Chinese culture, it's better to lie to a person that is, is dying than tell them the truth and sort of how, Eastern and Western cultures differ on these things and how Aquafina's character, Billy, who grew up, who was born in China and, and grew up as a child there, but then was taken to New York and sort of grew up there and, and most of her coming of age was there and how she's sort of conflicted on those feelings and that performance is really, really well done. I've liked Aquafina in both um, uh, Ocean's 8 and Crazy Rich Asians, but here like it felt... Like, I was watching, like, a great, you know, debut performance. Right, because those other ones are very, like, comedic and playing... In, yeah, or even yeah. Neighbors too. Like, she has a small role in that right. as well. And this is like, okay, like, I'm on the bandwagon for whatever she's going to do next that's not Jumanji. You know, like, <laughs> like I could see her being a, a great dramatic okay, uh, star. Cool. And she, yeah, and she holds her own, and it's it's... It's a great movie about family as well. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna try to check it but out. But I don't want to oversell. Like this is the other thing. Like again, go and see this movie and meet it on its terms. Don't mm. go in thinking this is the greatest film ever made because right. you're going to be disappointed. Fair. I yeah. I, I my expectations are. I don't know. I I don't think I have any expectations. I do want to see it. There's a great screening coming up at the Lightbox. Um, uh, with the director. I yeah. Believe. Yeah. Um, Writer director Lulu Wong. Uh, so I, if there are tickets available, you guys should check that out. I think it's the Thursday night, like right before it is released, but nonetheless, uh, uh, one of the best theaters in, in North America and the director is going to be there. Yeah. So. And if you're going to see this movie and you're in the GTA or in Toronto, I don't know if it's going to play Lightbox afterwards or if this is just a one night only, it thing, might be a one night only thing. I don't yeah. know what the plans are. VVS films is releasing it here in Canada and a 24 has it. Um, in the U.S., but it is it's worth your time, and it's it's a really good family film, and um, I just yeah, there there are things that I'm still thinking about, and we we'll talk about it more when you see it because I'd, I'd like to get your opinion, even if you don't like the film. But I I really felt that some of the family moments really worked. Yeah, but it's it's very low key, and it plays it down like it's not big revolutions or revelations. And that's like why, yeah, you don't want to give people too high of expectations because yeah. it, it's a little understated. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and it works perfectly that way. Cool. Um, so I only have two spots left. My number two movie, Apollo 11. I uh, called it. See Amazing Grace. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so for a lot of the same reasons why I like Amazing Grace, um, with the exception it's not focused on one specific person, although I guess you could say it's a Neil Armstrong biopic in a way. I mean, um, but better than a, that other one that came last year. Disagree, but <laughs> um, I probably would choose this over over that just because it's real footage that hasn't been used since now, which is 
ridiculous that we yeah. haven't seen any of this. Uh, 50th anniversary of uh, the Apollo uh, 11 moon landing. And it just makes you think that, like, there was a time where America truly was, you know, cutting edge and the first in sort of leading the world into new places and saying that like we can we can do stuff we can we can be the land of the home and 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 have the freedom and and expand our horizons and then when kennedy died it was a moment there where when he was assassinated where the world wasn't like america and the world wasn't sure what was going on right and this was one of kennedy's last you know notions that we make it to the moon and even though it was under nixon's administration having that achievement was something that i think like now we obviously take for granted but thinking about like nobody else has ever done that since yeah and what they had to do to get there and to get back is incredible and watching it unfold as if it was like a real-time thriller the footage is unbelievable yeah and and what todd douglas miller and the editing team have done the director todd douglas miller have created and 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 put together is nothing short of a historical milestone and it's available on blu-ray it's available on streaming cnn is playing it right now quite a bit on 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 their network um i'll say just yeah before you go it was right under waiting for the punchline for me um (laughs) uh in my ranking just because I did fall asleep during it, but I thought it was excellent. Right. And this is this is a movie for me where I feel like I mean that's saying something. So right, 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 thing. right. I fell asleep and right. still thought it was one of the best movies of the year. <laughs> Can we put uh, that on a box? <laughs> I was exhausted. It no, wasn't fair, that like yeah. I do want to watch. But you it did again. you did see it in a theater, which is nice. And I remember the experience as well because I saw it at uh, the IMAX, uh, right? Young and Dundas in, in IMAX. It was I freezing. Wish I, it, <laughs> It felt like I was in outer space, like that coldness. So maybe that helped as well a little bit. Um, but this, awards don't matter. They don't. But this is a movie that probably if I were an Academy member, if I was a part of Neon or Elevation Pictures, I would be pitching hard for Best Picture mm-hmm. and editing specifically. Not just documentary film. like Not just put it in one yeah. box. Because the editing in this movie... Is incredible, it's and like great, to think yeah. about the footage that they had to go through to construct this narrative, and sort of going from you know Cape Canaveral and back to Houston and into space, and the post and pre-launch and everything in between, and where that all plays, and the pacing of it is is immaculate. Yeah. Um. So I don't think that will happen, but well, uh, you never know. I think because like sometimes, um, for example, Hoop Dreams was nominated for editing and not fair, fair. Uh, documentary um, because the documentary branch apparently has problems that are very FOMO-esque where it's like if a movie is successful or popular, they won't vote for it. If it makes a lot of money or something. Yeah, or if Fuck people like guy. it. Yeah, yeah, so we'll go with the dry documentary about like growing, you know, yeah. corn. I was going to say corn too. <laughs> nice. Are we best friends? Uh, yeah. yeah. Hundred uh, percent. So, and my number one movie, uh, a film that I recommended in a the staying at home segment, and maybe not one of Matt's. Really, best. I, I was thinking in my head. I'm like, what is number one? You've gone through everything that I. I love the of. high life. I love to boogie. I like to get on down on the you disco got, floor. I, I don't. I I, I, I don't, I don't know. This. I just I like. 
this is this is this is the dark side of me. But don't I, get me wrong, I, I'm not judging you. No, I, no, no, I put no, 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 two no. fucking Marvel movies right. at the top. Everyone's gonna call me some basic yeah. bitch. So like, I, I mean, but I'm not I, trying to do this as well to be like, ooh, look at me, I'm so cool and, and edgy. I just like nihilistic. We movies. know <laughs> we know each other enough where you know that I just like Marvel movies, yeah. and I know you like this. But shit. I like the Marvel and movies we just, too. Even I though know, I don't have and them I on my like list. I like weird shit like High Life usually too. Right, but uh, for some reason it just again. Might have been the TIFF thing, just didn't work for me. And um, I know, and I get that, and I get that this movie, like the Beach Bum, and and like a few others that have in, in Fabric, are not movies that are necessarily easily accessible, or even I would, or Midsummer, even like that you would be like, "Hey, mom and hey, dad, yeah, yeah. go and see this movie." Yeah, my like, friend Kevin was asking me you, movies to see. Do you see. like seeing someone hold semen cupped in their hands <laughs> or the fuck had, box? Yeah, we've had too many movies with ejaculation. Yeah, in our top but 10. I I like um, a movie that again, I like films that show the dark side of humanity. Yeah, and show that we are fucked. And Claire Denis does not sugarcoat this, no, and know, she shows yeah. it for what it is, and. Visually, I thought there were scenes that were very striking and disturbing and abstract. I think Robert Pattinson is is very good in the movie. I think the idea that we are all going to die and we cannot do anything works for me. It reminds me of Sunshine a little bit. Yeah. Um. I actually would like to revisit that. Um. Speaking of, uh, also Danny Boyle recently we reviewed, uh, yesterday, which you can go check we out. We keep on forgetting to mention that. I know. When we talk about all <laughs> talk about forgettable. Um, but yeah, I just, I liked it for all those reasons and it just had this weird effect on me where like, I kept thinking about certain scenes and certain images that all are obviously very much inspired by Tarkovsky. Yeah. Um, cause I was thinking both, uh, Solaris and, uh, the, uh, and Stalker. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. Like it, it's one of those films that. I can't articulate exactly why it all came together for me because I understand your point of view on it as well or people that didn't care for it. But there's just – there's something about looking at the world in a very bleak manner and saying, hey, you know what? We fucked up and we are going to die horribly and that's on us. Yeah, it's inevitable. <laughs> yeah. Um, Again, you know, nihilistic and pessimistic yeah. but and existential but – fair. But I kind of like those movies that are... I want to give it another shot, for sure. Yeah. And um, I think that's what... I mean, to talk us up and talk about our list. I think it's a great list. Good job. Um, but I think I like it because our lists are very different, although we agree on a lot of things, I think. Sometimes I almost worry that we agree too often. And that right, that it's have... kind of like an echo chamber but where then we're I just actually, repeating ourselves. And I think why we have a good rapport and why I, I like doing this every week with you, too, is that... Um, we both have a very, we have not a different perspective, but we come at it from different ways and we enjoy different things at different levels. And like, I'm more from the populist angle and you're, you are very intelligent and know fucking everything about movies and just like, and you come from more, I don't want to say that I'm not critical because I am. Right. And I, I think there are different variations of a film critic and I think all of them are valuable. Well, you're also more technical Um, than I am as well. Like I always talk to you and come to you for advice when it comes to like knowing what's the best way to see a movie or, sure. or stuff like that and, and like some of that can be lost on but me. i think that's kind of why it's a cool balance right yeah. where you have things like apollo 11 and and uh high life and fuck box yeah and like we had similar movies that were on there yeah but, um, beach bum high yeah. flying bird 
was there anything else? There's, there's a couple other things. And there's some things that you like that were on my list. They were just yeah. weren't on your And I still thing. like Avengers Endgame as well. And like, I'm not against putting that on my list because I think it's like – if you look at the it's year, an accomplishment. When, for sure. yeah, like when we when 2019 is said and done, which isn't very long from now, because uh, we're I already halfway, <laughs> we're halfway through. Like it, it is going to be a cinematic milestone. I Even if it, you don't like the movie, you have to acknowledge it that will hold. It will stand the test of time. I think more than a lot of these movies. Right, on but it's also going to be. List. I think it is going to be historically important. That's what I mean. Yeah, yeah, that's what I mean. Like it will stand the test of time in that sense. Like the one movie that you're gonna remember whether you liked it or didn't like it from this year yeah it will probably be that movie not because i loved it the most out of everything but um yeah dude i i think it's uh, it's always fascinating because i i do think we agree a lot of the times where we're within that one star to half star range of each other a lot of the times when we rate things or your brother likes to laugh at this he's like i he's like it's funny that we're such good friends he's like you guys agree on everything and then there'll be something where you're just on the two complete opposite fucking ends of the spectrum <laughs> um so that's always interesting but um i think we have some cool lists uh quickly we'll go i want to bring up that uh, we like you repeated me earlier um the i know it was my idea <laughs> the <laughs> most anticipated films of the year that we did at the very beginning of the year yeah the untitled movie podcast 19 most anticipated films of 2019 so out of those the ones that we've seen so far uh avengers endgame worked out pretty well for us i yep. think we just I think it worked about out it. for everyone yeah for <laughs> billions and fucking dollars um not the number one movie though just short of but they'll re-release it again in like yeah, five years. I, I'm years saying that and... they should just put the money that whatever money Dark Phoenix made into and just that put, pot, and, and like, then it'll pass it. The yeah. twenty million that Dark Phoenix made. Well, it's God. like it made nineteen point five, yeah, just under. You're like fuck. Uh, Beach Bomb worked out really well for us. Yes. Um, here's one that I still haven't seen, but I don't think worked out super super well for us. Uh, the Dead Don't Die. No. Um, um I didn't hate it again. But yeah. It, like. <sighs> Zombies are just so boring when it comes right. to and and again like and overdone yeah and a big cast, um, that is great but it kind of Jarmusch has done better within the genre like it's it it's nowhere near as good as Dead Man Only Lovers Left Alive or his last movie which talk about a film that's rewatchable and I think veering on masterpiece level in his filmography is Patterson. You yeah, know, I and love to come Patterson, off of that yeah. to do that. Now, not to say that like one movie just because one movie is great automatically means the next one isn't. Like, I mean, look what with after Fargo came the Big Lebowski for the Coens. I just was kind of disappointed overall because I felt like it was a hangout movie that didn't really have any reason to be hanging out other than a thin plot of zombies taking over yeah i still do want to see it but i think now i'm beyond the point i think it's not in theaters anymore no oh it's uh, gone yeah it left faster than dark phoenix (laughs) so i will uh i will have to rent it or but it's okay i didn't dislike it either i think think it'll be a decent streaming movie like Like, i'm watching october yeah that's what yeah that probably or i might watch it earlier just because i actually do want to see it uh, I forgot to mention Ad Astra, which we haven't seen yet, which yeah. uh, looking mid-September release now, right? Got pushed. I was going to say mid-summer uh, or mid-September. Yeah. <laughs> mid-September release. So, uh, I, and we've seen the trailer for it. I have a feeling it'll show up at TIFF because it's that weird September 20th. Well, it's James so it's Gray like, as well, right? Yeah, like He right has a good after. relationship with – I mean, just this year yeah. they had a um, 
a, a mini, retrospective. Yeah, re- yeah, retrospective of his work. And, I mean, his stuff has he showed up and did a bunch of Q&As. And stuff. Festivals as well. I mean, you saw The Immigrant in, in New York. So. Yeah, he usually does New York, I think. So, But because of the release date. And because of, it's a bigger studio film as well. Yeah. It, and because it has that mid-September release date, yeah. uh, it won't go to New Disney's York. Disney's Ad Astra. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, we have The Irishman, which we're waiting for. We yep. haven't seen anything on it yet, but... Knowing Netflix, they'll just drop it randomly and say that it's coming in November or whenever. Yeah, it is. well, so, it's been rumored for November. Yeah. Uh, Taika Waititi's Jojo Rabbit, which we're very excited for, which we have not is seen yet. Is that October yet. or November? I believe October. I'm trying. I'm on Letterboxd right now, so they don't have, have the release, the release date. Because right it was announced recently. Because it's, it's interesting that Lucy in the Sky also on have our a list. release date. Yeah. But it has the trailer, and then Jojo Rabbit has the release date, but, but doesn't no have trailer. the trailer. Yeah. And neither one of those, I don't think, were mentioned in the recent Disney lineup that they, they had. Jojo Rabbit, I think, was. There was something else then that wasn't. Yeah, I'm not sure. Maybe it was Ready or Not, or maybe that was mentioned. Uh, Knives Out, which we just talked about the trailer. Yep. We're getting um, in November or October? October. October. In the fall. Just say fall. <laughs> Yeah, uh, D. Rees, The Last Thing He Wanted, which we haven't seen anything from No, and yet. that's Netflix. Yeah. Um, but I have... could see that playing the fall festival yeah. circuit the way that uh, Mudbound did. Yep. Greta Gerwig's Little Women, same thing. Could yeah, see it we'll probably be getting a trailer soon for that because uh, it'll probably be attached to Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Yes, agreed. Uh, you mentioned Lucy in the Sky. Uh, don't have a release date. We're hoping it's still 2019. Yeah, and there's also... Probably maybe a slim chance of festival. Yeah, I could. I can feel that, like that yeah. would be a perfect place to play it first and see how it does. And I then... think he even mentioned recently when they, he was doing press for um, Legion? Legion that he think, Noah Howley. We're talking. Yeah, about, Noah yeah. Howley mentioned that he thinks it'll do the festival circuit and then they'll figure out the release date yeah. more close to that. Which could be um, life or life or death. Because look at Under the Silver Lake, right? Yeah. Um. Midsummer uh, worked out pretty well for yep. us, I guess. As much as you can say, worked out pretty well. <laughs> How um, did it work out for those that old couple? Do we think Edward Norton's motherless Brooklyn November still coming this year? It is okay, November. November. Yeah. Uh, we're seeing Once Upon a Time in Hollywood very, very soon. Very excited. Um, Bong Joon Ho's uh, Parasite, which got great, won uh, the Palm Door. Yeah, won or the, the Bong. The Bong Door bong at door? Uh, Open the Bong Doors over at uh, the Cannes Film Festival. Um, Nevis, my fiance, saw it. Absolutely loves it. Um, and if you haven't seen uh, Memories of uh, she Murder, saw it at Cannes. Uh, uh, it's on Amazon Prime right now, which right. is one of his first. And a lot of his stuff is on Netflix yeah. as well, too. Yeah. Obviously, Okja. <laughs> Okja's great, man. Um, Spider-Man Far From Home worked out really well. Uh, then we have Star Wars: The Rise of Skywalker. Speaking of Oakja, right? Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, Uncut Gems, which is the Sadfi Brothers, uh, Safty Brothers. Uh, That's probably going to be a fall festival. Film. Yeah, I would assume so. Starting, starring our boy Adam Sandler. Better or worse than um, Murder Mystery? It'll be better. <laughs> or worse than Sandy Wexler? Uh, better. <laughs> Uh, and then Trey Edward Schultz Waves, which we haven't heard much about. That'll probably also be a fall film if if it does uh, play, or maybe they'll wait until uh, Sundance. Yeah, I hope it plays this year, or else our list is fucked, man. Well, it would, it would be good for, um, I mean, it would fall in line with, like, mid-90s in the sense that you have uh, Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross. Scored. Score. 
This is a musical too, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, and yeah. the story is told from the beginning and end and, and meets and, in the middle. And meets in the middle and that's where it ends and the score is completely done by them. Like it's not just added in. I can't wait for that. Um excited. Um uh, I think it's been a decent half year so far. It's hard to say, right? Like it's Yeah, it's, I mean it, it hasn't been like the summer I, I'd say May to June have has been kind of hit or miss yeah for at least the studio stuff yeah like we've had to watch the dark phoenixes and men in black internationals and godzillas yeah and yesterday's even where they they kind of either you forget about them completely or while you're watching them you hate yourself uh (laughs) yes yeah yeah um and you question reality um and why you're doing this in the first place but then you you know you you get a last black man in san francisco and then you're like Okay, or even back a, at even it. a Spider-Man or yeah, something yeah. like that too, right? Yeah. So, yeah, I think a lot of the movies that I have on there, I think will probably hold up to be in that top twenty-five-ish. Yeah, um, I mean, they might not be where they are exactly now, but I but feel if like that high now. Yeah, like, but it, but again, I could also see it changing a little bit because I was kind of like rearranging even when I was on the way <laughs> here, and like, yeah. it's, like it's all it's like this weird art of like okay, like you mentioned, it doesn't necessarily have to be a five-star movie to be ahead of a, a four-star film or vice versa. It's it's almost like a weird curation where it's like, how does this look when you're putting it together? Does this right. represent my year in, in And your personality and yeah. your tastes and things like that. So I, I totally agree with that. So uh, we'll revisit this in, uh, at the end of the year and after the whole fall. Well, I'm sure we'll do a best of TIFF and different things like that yeah. later. Um, so we're getting TIFF announcements soon, man. So July you get, 23rd. You guys will get... Uh, which is a Tuesday, correct? Yes. So I think that week we will put the podcast out on Tuesday because I believe we will record that day because we'll want to react to all of the announcements. Yeah, and they're only sending out a a, a press release. Yeah, no press conference this year. Only um, for the Canadian section. Yeah, which I'm contemplating going. It's always fun. You get some poutine, <laughs> some drinks. Well, if you're going, I might go. We'll, we'll talk. See. We'll talk yeah. off uh, off air. Uh, cool, man. Um, I'm excited for the rest of the year, man. Tiff soon. Fuck, man. Yeah, I I feel like we're gonna get a lot of. It's gonna be backloaded a little bit this year. Like we'll probably get a lot more during the festival season that we're not even necessarily thinking of. Right, and, and that's the stuff that I'm always the most excited like about. An the in movie. fabric or yeah, yeah. Like I know you, you knew that you was just coming, don't see but... coming unless <laughs> it's in <damn> fabric. It. <laughs> All right, let's do the news. We're going to rapid fire the news because not a ton of news this week. Um, well, because we it's, it's, it, we're coming off of the Canada Day long weekend. We and have going three into, Little Mermaid stories. So right. we can kind of And going them. into uh, uh, 4th of July for the yeah. U.S. So holidays it was just, have It was a holiday down. week. This week was a write-off. So I'm gonna, uh, we're going to just knock out all three Little Mermaid stories at once. And then that's pretty much all we have. Um so in uh, Disney's The Little Mermaid uh, remake news, uh, Disney will continue this train until they literally do every single animated movie in live action. Until they stop making money. Um, but they all will until they're out of them. So you um, think that the Great Mouse Detective is going to become a live action? There's going to be a live action version uh, well, of it? Well, if if maybe that's why they gave up on Mouse Guard. Just saying. Oh, God damn it. Just saying. Um they'll use that same tech and everything. You're like, ha ha fuckers. <laughs> Fuck you, Gary. Witta. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to talk about Gary. Witta in a second? Uh, okay. Three little mermaid stories. Uh, we have our Ariel. It is not Halle Berry. It's Halle Bailey. I read that wrong the first time and was very confused. Um, 
Uh, I don't know much about her. I, I don't she's either. She's in a pop band, pop or group duo? called Chloe and Haley, I think. Um, not, I don't want to say controversy because racists online, but um, uh, it's probably the same people that also, you know, hashtag not my Ghostbusters. Now we have hashtag, hashtag not, my, not my Captain Marvel. Um, hashtag I don't have a life, and so people are being pieces of shit online because. Um, uh, because they, they cast, can and yeah. they have an outlet to do it because and it's they dumb. cast and uh, a young black girl as ariel and i just right. feel like that's like who cares it's like and people are making fun of these people by going like guys it's a, first off it's an a mermaid <laughs> like it's not a real thing that existed any anyone could be a fucking mermaid and like and it is a cartoon like stop with this shit i anyways i'm and it's grown men that are mostly complaining about this which is even weirder is like, it it's, i don't know uh, i thought lot. it was like younger or like women and oh really like i thought that. it was grown men maybe cause... i'm mistaken i've seen a mix of a bunch of people complaining the only thing i'm complaining about is that i just i'm i'm getting tired of the oh, disney live action remix. we've talked about I'm, lion king i'm and interested like, about lion king but even that like you can tell if i so to be transparent with everyone we it's it's screening soon and i can't go to the press screening and i wasn't that disappointed because i was like oh, i don't know i pretty much know what i'm gonna get right like right. i'm sure it'll be good don't get and me it'll wrong look pretty it'll and, look great yeah. and i'm i know lion king's a great movie just like but i i i think it'll be better than aladdin um because i think they'll like it's just gonna. This is gonna be more of an exact shot, almost shot for shot, with a little bit of padding, um, and depending on how the voice acting is. But and an extra song for awards consideration. Yeah, um, by Sir Elton John. Um, but anyways, it, I, I, yeah, I'm with you. I just like that's yeah. I'm just I'm I'm kind of over. And we're getting Mulan trailer supposed to drop at any part. Holy fuck! Uh, Mulan. We're getting to the ones where I'm like. <laughs> I don't even remember Mulan, man. I'm actually surprised. That I might people... like those more because I barely remember the I don't remember movies. Mulan at all other than Eddie Murphy voiced a dragon that's apparently not going to be in the movie. No, I think he is. Cause I think... No, I think that there was a thing that came out recently that said that the dragon's not going to be a part of it. Because it's going to be more grounded or yeah. what? Yeah. Are they going to bring back the sauce, though? But I thought... The McDonald's. Szechuan sauce? Yeah. Rick and Morty. Uh, no, that was another controversy there with a bunch of idiots. Remember everyone was complaining about that? Fuck everyone. People are dumb. Anyway, so uh, Halle Bailey will play Ariel. Good for her. Yeah. I think it's I her keep first... wanting to say Halle Berry, though, yeah. too. And even just seeing like the name, like when I first it's read it as exactly. Long Variety or yeah. Hollywood Reporter, I was like, yeah, Halle Berry? <laughs> like, a it would have been good like as like a like a, a, a punny sword. She's gone from swordfish to the Little Mermaid. I know. Uh, and then uh, we have some more casting news. Uh, I think we mentioned the Melissa McCarthy one last week. So, As Ursula? Yeah, Melissa McCarthy yeah. looks like she'll be uh, playing Ursula. And then uh, Aquafina and Jacob Tremblay, um, both in the film as uh, the fucking crab and another... Flounder and uh, Flounder Sebastian. And Sebastian. No, no, Sebastian's oh. the crab. Is Aquafina playing Sebastian or no? No, no one's playing the crab oh, yet. Oh, okay, my bad. Although I saw a funny uh, tweet that the crab is going to be played by the crab with a knife. Oh yeah, you sent me that. That was funny. <laughs> Sorry, Aquafina will be playing. I'm trying to find this here. It's the it's the seagull. I just don't. I just can't remember the name of him. You watched yeah. this recently too. Uh, scuttle. 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 Uh, I did. I don't. I don't like Little Mermaid that much either. Like I just don't. 
I never really grew have, up with it. Have you it seen like, the uh, the I did some of the casting it, suggestions on on Twitter who will play the uh, the prince? Yeah, that's pretty funny. Paul there's Giamatti like, was one a, of my there's favorites. There's a meme going around that because I think of the aerial controversy right. that people are like cast this person. People or this need person. to grow the fuck up. One, it's a movie. Yeah. Two, it's a remake of a fucking cartoon mermaid. Who cares? For one, <laughs> like. Just whoever was best for the role, who cares? Yeah, and then like, and it's gonna be a half-ass movie anyways. <laughs> I mean, Rob Marshall's directing it. Give this poor girl a break, like yeah. just like she finally got her like huge break in a, a gigantic movie, and just like let let her be. Like she's yeah. already probably regretting this shit, and like I don't know, but I I have no affinity to the Little Mermaid. I don't care for it all that much. I I think it came out in eighty nine. Eighty nine, yeah. Which um, that was the beginning of Disney's kind of comeback. renaissance, um, and Little Mermaid. I think my sister really likes it because Ariel had red hair. My sister has red hair. Um, I just I don't know. Never did anything for me. I liked it, but it's been a long time since I've seen it, and I I guess I have a more of an affinity with that movie than I do say Mulan. Like in terms of what's coming down the pike of uh, the the next bunch like a couple years yeah like what I, else do we get mulan they haven't announced hercules well they've yet, got lady but... and the tramp which is disney plus hercules is inevitable yeah um that's coming we're well, not i said great mouse detective i doubt we'll get emperor's new groove I oh just, we will you think we will? we will i hope he is played by david's baby <laughs> I li- I like Emperor's New Groove. I, see, that's one that um, I just didn't really have any yeah connection attachment. to. Uh, Atlantis. What was the? Oh yeah, we're not getting Treasure that shit. Island. We're not getting that. We're shit. getting it. It's no. going to happen, Matt. No, man. Matt. It's going to happen. Probably. But... Fox and the Hound. I thought they already did announce that for. No, maybe I'm thinking Lady and the Tramp. They'd have to get Kurt Russell Arista- back. Aristocats, Kratz. Oh, they got to change a lot of stuff in that. Oh, yeah, the Siamese cats. Ooh. Um. I don't know. I, I don't care. Uh, let's... Oh, uh, Hunchback of Notre Dame. Oh, yeah. That, that's that got to happen. Uh, what other big ones are we missing? Oh, Pocahontas. Oh, I even heard... Are like... they doing Pocahontas already? I'm sure they will. It's right. called the New World. Um, <laughs> <laughs> there was... Oh, shit. I heard also... like, And this is just like... Scuttlebutt? Yeah. Rumors that... That's... Yeah. Yeah. Scuttlebutt. Anyways, uh, the Nightmare Before Christmas, and if they do that, I am no. going to jump off no. a bridge. How would you even? Are they still? Is it like this? Has literally become that TV show that I just happily CG ignored. Or live action. Live action. How would you even? I don't know. You know that show Once Upon a Time that was on ABC that was a Disney show that took Which is all, like, basically lost, but Yeah, and right. that's basically kind of what this is all now becoming. Like I'm I'm surprised they haven't decided to do like a shared universe. Like Frozen at some point is going to be a live action version. Ten, twenty years from now? I don't even think it'll be that long. Ten years? Five? I'm gonna say five years. I'm gonna put it on the how how long do you think? Do you think I'm right or do you think ten? I think no. I think you're. I, I think we'll get. I think we'll get a live action about the time we're getting Frozen three or four. Yeah, I, I can feel see like that. it'll continue in animated form, but then also uh, get a live action. I'm just thinking version. of like a live action version of Olaf. And just are you like... gonna get a Princess and the Frog? Because that was like yeah, I could see that happening as well. Yeah. Huh. Whatever. <laughs> uh, who cares? <laughs> They're fine. They're like not even bad. They're no. just pointless. 
Um, I just wish that they would do something, like, take the concept and do something completely different with it. That's why I still love Pete's Dragon the most. Because at least it took the title and is like, nah, we're not doing that. We're doing something completely different with it. One of the things I wanted to do, um, just as kind of like a side project, just to... to, uh, I've always wanted to fuck around making movies again or just kind of, like, playing around with cinematography and editing and things like that so i'm doing a little project for my wedding that i'm excited about it's mostly just stealing from other people and i'm using it as a save the date um kind of thing just to mess around with title treatments and credits and stuff like that um and i have other ideas for like a uh, a documentary that i i want to do and just kind of just shit that goes in my head every once in a while and i write them down on my phone uh one of the ideas that i have no one steal this because i still want to do it (laughs) Um, have you patented this already? No, and I don't legally. I can't do this because I'm just. I would be reshooting a Disney thing, but um, I would just do it and put it up, and they'd probably tell me to take it down. Um, I want to remake just one scene from Frozen, shot for shot, essentially, but live action, and um, have my sister star in it because she reminds me so much of Anna from Frozen, and my sister is a performer and, and a dancer and and a singer. And an actress. She's in Cinderella right now in Halifax. So if you're in Halifax, go see uh, my sister in Cinderella. How much is she paying you? Um, She's not paying me at all. I just think she's great and you guys should go see that. And then um, basically I wanted to do what's the song uh, when she's falling in love with the other prince. I should know this because it was my I just only remember Let It Go. Um, Yeah. Uh, the door one, I think it's something. That's uh, the name uh, of it. Love the is door. an open door. The Sorry. door one. I like the, the door. door one <laughs> the door one. Um, love is an open door, and I wanted to reshoot it, but kind of if you took like these Disney live action remakes, but then modernize it in, and then there's this thing called Disney bounding. I don't know if you know what this is. No. It sounds sexual. It's not. Got it. Yeah, <laughs> it sounds like some sort of like subsection uh, yeah. of the internet. <laughs> It's not. It's less creepy than that. It's basically when you go to Disney World, um, you as an as an adult, you're not allowed to like, you're not allowed to dress up as like. You can't wear a costume at Disney World, essentially, unless if you're, you're a child. No, you can if you're a paid employee that has to dress up. Okay, shut up. <laughs> um, <laughs> Um, so what this thing called Disney bounding is like if you took modern clothing and tried to wear like essentially modernize a Disney character's costume into modern clothing so people know what you're wearing and go, oh, you're dressing up But it's not exactly like, the same thing. No, because you're wearing like modern clothes, but it so it's almost of, like Nolanizing it. Yeah, kind of. And like kind of, yeah, sure. Um, so anyways, I wanted to take that concept with the concept of like La La Land and then Frozen and then take have it take place in Toronto and you basically storyboard it by just taking the shots from the, the animated movie. And then recording, re-recording the song with my sister and whoever would play the prince. Um, and then um, redoing that sequence just as like a short, you know, three-minute thing just of that song. And then um, modernize it in like a 2019 thing, but just kind of interpret it that way. Not an interesting thing. Not saying that that's what they should do with this kind of shit. Like, because I think that's... Sounds more interesting that's so more, than what they're doing now. I think that's more aligned to once upon a time you talked about because i think that was sort of what you're saying is like it was like a a weird modern day thing where they would 
integrate fairy tale shit into the real world. What, yeah. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just taking like taking these fairy tales and, and setting them in, in the real world and kind of almost like this sounds weird, but like what Boz Lerman did with Romeo and Juliet and something right. like that, but not as obnoxious. Yeah. If that makes sense. Less confetti. Um, yeah. So I don't know. It was just like, I thought it would be just an interesting thing. And those are the types of things I feel like if you put online, like people go, Oh cool. Look at this thing that this person did. Cause they're, it's familiar to people. So this they, isn't the kind of Disney bonding I was hoping for. <laughs> Um, (laughs) so i feel like that's the type of shit that's just i don't know like that's seems a little bit more interesting and just but more so i don't think i'd want a full movie of that it was just more to play around with like i don't know just camera work and editing and i don't know it sounds it sounds more interesting to me than like what is actually being made and again i'm just stealing from other people i'm stealing well as the other one that we're getting as well right we're getting a bunch of those weird like villain ones too right um because we've already got honestly 101 dalmatians the first cartoon remake yeah maybe not the first with glenn close but they started this a long time ago, and then they stopped. And now they've been playing the long game for a long time. All right, let's fucking get this done. We've recorded. But yeah, a your lot sister today. is very, very talented. She's great. And I think that would be fun. But if anyone wants to steal that, go ahead. Whatever. Uh, I will maybe do it eventually one day. Uh, I don't really care about this, but let's mention it. Uh, J. A. Boyena is going to direct. J. Boyena. 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 I said this recently um, on. E.T., so I should know. Uh, he is going to be directing uh, the Amazon Lord of the Rings series. Well, he's directing, I believe, the first two episodes. Yeah, that then, specifically, like, people yeah. are saying, like, he's doing the whole thing, but it actually... He's only... going to be, like, the showrunner, right. I think, though. And he's directing the first two episodes. No, I mean, you know me. I fucking hate Lord of the I Rings. I like the so Lord like, of the Rings movies, and I have no interest in this. I mean, he lost me after Fallen Kingdom. Yeah. Man, well, so. not just him, but oh, just, and, like... Oh, a monster calls. <laughs> But just just this project in general feels truly and utterly redundant. Yeah, is like, it a prequel, sequel? No, I, I just it? think it's a. I just think they're Remake? just doing Lord of the Rings again. Why? It's a new adaptation. Why? Because the fans want it. Why would you want the same story? Because Amazon has a lot of money. Doesn't? It, is it going to be focused on Legolas or something? I, I have think. no idea. I don't even know. Did you read that. the fucking article? No, Bro. no. Bro. I just read the headline. Anyways, who cares? Uh, <laughs> we're, we're getting back to our marathon episodes. And we recorded an hour and ten minute long Spider-Man spoiler cast before this, too. So we're going on almost four hours recording or whatever. Um, Andy uh, Bruschetti. Uh, <laughs> Muschetti. I, I was going to make Andy a, Muschetti. I know. I was making like a Bruschetta joke, I thought you actually didn't know what no. you Andy, were saying. Mushietti. After that can episode, I don't know what's uh, real. I'm fucking loopy. Uh, the it director is, is in talks to now replace the 800th person <laughs> so, on the Flash. So how long will um, he stay on this project? I give it three months. It also said that they were bringing in um, Chandra Hodge, Hodgson, yeah, who wrote uh, Birds of Prey yeah. and Bumblebee. Yeah. So they did not like the draft from the guys who did Vacation and. Uh, Spider-Man. Spider-Man Far From... Or uh, Homecoming. And Stuber. Uh, Oh, no, they're producers on Stuber. And they did not like uh, Ezra Miller's... And Grant Morrison. uh, And Grant Morrison's draft. Um, So, back to the drawing board for, like I said, the 800th time. Why? 
Well, they still have Ezra Miller. I mean, they want to make Flash work. I think I'm more interested if it... I mean, it's not going to happen, obviously. I mean, I would be curious to see visually what Muschietti would be able to bring to a superhero film. Um, but then again, I mean, look what happened with Shazam. I mean, you take a horror filmmaker and then bring them into that, and it is totally all, all over the place. Yeah. Not that that always happens, because look at Sam Raimi. It worked with Spider-Man, so... Yeah. I don't know. But I, I, I would be curious just to see, like, like after him doing it, if he were to come in and bring something to it, because I don't have any connections to The Flash whatsoever. Agreed. So, I don't know. We'll see. I don't know if it'll ever happen. I think it'll eventually get canned again. Um, and then last, uh, but not least, uh, because this is uh, on Monday, uh, July the 8th, when you guys are listening to this, hopefully, if you're a little bit late, you might have missed this already. Uh, but I really enjoy um, Gary Witta's presence both on um, Twitter and um, he does a podcast on, again, I mentioned these guys a million times, but on Kind of Funny, he's every Wednesday on a video game podcast called Kind of Funny Games Daily. Uh, but Gary recently started a Twitch channel. Not He will be playing video games sometimes, but what he's been doing lately is just talking about film and writing and if for those of you that don't know Gary Witta is a screenwriter uh you might know him probably from being one of the writers on Star Wars Rogue One but he also wrote uh the book of Eli and After Earth and um and a few other things he's been attached to a lot of stuff lately but some things kind of keep falling through um but a very open and uh seem like a, a very genuine guy and um i haven't seen many people in hollywood open up like this like gary's been doing both on twitter and on twitch and i think it's it's an interesting evolution of what twitch is it was originally just a video game streaming thing where you would watch people play games but i think more and more people are going there for alternative content so i wanted to give him a shout out for that because i think if you want to talk to a hollywood screenwriter like gary will answer your questions in his twitch chat and things like that so um if you have any questions for him whenever he's streaming um go and check him out but uh, i did want to bring it up because uh on july the 9th at 9 p.m eastern time gary's going to be doing a live commentary and q a uh, for the book of Eli, because it's available now on, not that it's like came out recently, it came out a long time ago, but, um, it's very easily available to everyone now because it's on us Netflix. And I believe here in Canada, it's on Crave and HBO. Um, he mentioned as well. And, um, just, I haven't seen like something like that. Like a, I've seen, heard live commentaries and things before, um, or not usually live, usually download them or something like that. They recorded them live and, and obviously you can get the ones on the DVDs and Blu-rays, but, um, it, and he's going to be pulling up his original book of Eli script and having it on screen and kind of going through it and showing like changes and, and, and different things that happen throughout the production and, and kind of giving you a really interesting kind of inside um hollywood q a and commentary on that so i just wanted to give him a shout out and i like gary actually kind of that's interesting um, yeah so tuesday nine um twitch twitch.tv slash gary witta is his handle uh on twitch and um basically i don't think he's obviously not going to be playing the movie i think on the screen uh what right because warner brothers would sue his ass 
Yeah. So what you would have to do is start the film on Netflix or Crave here in Canada at and the sync same, it up with and sync it up to when Gary starts. He'll, I'm sure he'll do a countdown and make sure everyone's ready. Will it be available and, afterwards or is it just all live? Yeah. So basically it? on Twitch, you can watch um, past broadcasts for a certain amount of time. So it will be up on his channel on like an on demand kind of thing for a little while afterwards. So you could probably sync it up that way as well if you can't watch live with him on Tuesday night. But um yeah, I mean, I really like Gary, so I just wanted to give him a shout out there, and I think that's really interesting, and I think an evolution of where we're going with like different streaming platforms and different kind of alternative forms of entertainment, and um, we're just also reevaluation and just yeah, looking true. Into... He's been like how much he's done since Book of Eli, right? yeah, and looking into how like a movie starts versus what it becomes. Like, I think a lot of people take for granted that not everybody's a Paul Thomas Anderson or you know, a Tarantino where, you know, they, they can make their own thing. Like a lot of movies, especially for screenwriters, um, it's, it's, it's by a committee and you might have a really great idea or, or script ready to go. And it might be something that is truly great, but what comes out of it based on going through notes and the notes, the filters of production rewrites, it can change considerably and it doesn't make you a shitty writer it just it's unfortunate that it is diluted or it has to be rewritten and you bring in new people and they have they are their ideas or they're just working to to you know serve the the company the studio that's asked them to do this so yeah it's it's this kind of stuff is always interesting especially when like you know you compare and contrast to how something began to how it ended up yeah, I think it'll be cool. I'm going to try and check it out. I don't know if I'll, I can watch live on Tuesday or not, but um, I, I think it's really cool. So check that out. I remember kind of liking Book of Eli, but it's been so long since I've seen that. That's why I kind of want to revisit it and watch. I might watch along or I might, again, like you said, go to the on-demand when it's on his um, uh, his Twitch profile. Because I remember liking it as well, and, and uh, I just haven't watched it, I think, since that theatrical screening i had what almost 10 years ago or more yeah 2009 was it i think so yeah around that time yeah yeah coming up on 10 years which is crazy um and yeah and and gary's been always open of like yeah how when he even talks about his his rogue one script and how much that changed after he left the project and it was rewritten a bunch of times so he talks about which elements he actually was actually from his script and what stuff was added in and changed and different things like that. He's talked about on different shows and stuff like that. So it's kind of cool or as much as he can talk about right. certain projects. And, and we brought up too, like when mouse guard mouse guard, right. Yeah. Um, got canceled by Disney Fox a couple of weeks ago. We should also um, mention that uh, recently uh, Jeff Nichols' uh, Alienation, which he's been working on since uh, 2016, was also just canceled by uh, Fox Disney. Are they going to try and shop that around? Or I hope so, but I but mean, that no is one a Fox up, property. No yeah. one picked up Mouse Guard. So. Yeah, well, I mean, I don't, I don't think they can with Alienation because it is, it is a Fox-owned... Right. Because yeah. it's, a, it's a remake, so... Right. Unless they gave them permission to, which they did with Mouse Guard. And right. No, and they couldn't... I thought someone might have taken a chance on it because they were so far into production already. Or yeah, like well, like Netflix even. Yeah, but maybe it's still too pricey and risky for what it was. But yeah, Gary put up his entire Mouse Guard script after it got canned. He's like, well, fuck it. I'll just put this up now if you guys want to read it. Um, and he's like, it, it changed a bunch since like 
the one that was about to shoot. He's like, but this is what I originally wrote when I, when I sold it to them or whatever, or when he was put on the project. So anyways, go check that out Tuesday night, 9 PM Eastern. Uh, you guys can do the, um, whatever, whatever time zone you're in. Sorry. I don't know every time zone. Yeah. Stop being lazy. You have the internet. Uh, all right guys, that's been another marathon episode of the untitled movie podcast. Our 37th draft, correct? Oh yeah. Um, thank you all for listening. Uh, Eric and I really, really appreciate it. If, uh, you like this podcast, go over, uh, give us a five-star review. That would really help if you haven't done that. Uh, no matter if you're listening to this on Apple podcasts, Spotify, I don't even know if Spotify does ratings, uh, Google play, any other podcast service that you guys use. Uh, the Apple reviews really help us on the, on the Apple podcast service. So, so you, tell us you love, even us. if you don't listen on Apple podcast, if you could go over and rate us, that would be wonderful because it will help us down the line. Um, uh, if you like this, we do another podcast called uh, Untitled Movie Reviews, which is a separate feed that we would love you guys to subscribe to, which uh, Eric and I are a little bit more professional. We don't talk about uh, horrific things like right. we do on this podcast, or sometimes we do. Um, Depending on the film. We're a little bit more professional. We uh, spend 20, 25 minutes, sometimes 30 minutes uh, reviewing a new release film, whether it's on streaming services, uh, upcoming in theaters, or now playing. Uh, we have reviews up uh, right now of Spider-Man uh, Far From Home, which is spoiler-free, Midsommar, uh, Toy Story 4, Child's Play, uh, Yesterday. Oh, you told. finally remembered. I, I finally remembered. Um, it was not wiped from history. Uh, so go check those out. Um, yeah, as always, my name is Matt Rohrbeck. You can find more of my work around the interwebs, mostly at untitledmoviepodcast.com and podcast services. And you can follow me on all of the social medias at Matt Rohrbeck, including Twitter and Letterboxd. And go subs- or go follow untitled underscore cast on all of the social medias. We would like that as well. Yeah, what Matt said. And uh, you can find more of my work at... Uh, rogerstv.com slash cinemascene and on the social medias at em6211 and until next time 100%